Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hello, everybody. Uh, let's see. I need to push this button, then come over here and try to find this one. There we go. No, oh, that's the wrong buttons. one. Too many Oops. buttons. There we go. That's the outro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's see who we got uh, with us today. Uh, uh, top Curtis corner, Ryan. Mark Overhoser. For some reason, always. Hi there. Glad to be yeah. here, as usual. Coco Fastier. Yes. And yours truly. Hi. Next up, Patrick Euland. Howdy, everyone. And Ron Delvo. Hello, hello. Coco Fest is just nearly here. Yep, almost here. And we got Brian Weasler. Hello, all. How are you all doing? Very good. And Ken Waters. Hello. And TJB Chris. Everyone, happy Saturday. And sliding into home plate the last second, Dell <laughs> Curtis Boyle. <laughs> Sorry I'm late, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Okay, I was wondering if I was going to have to switch the uh, news intro today. Let's see. Bottom row, we have Nick Marentes. Hey, everyone. I'm glad Curtis made it. That means I can, I can fall asleep during the news after all. <laughs> <laughs> like you needed an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> and Jason Reichard. Coco Fest is almost here. I better get busy. Uh-huh. Need lots of switcheroos. And last but not least, David Ladd. Hello, everyone, and I'm happy you're all here. Hope you enjoy today's show. Please. Keep in mind, Coco Fest is up almost upon us. Do you have your rooms reserved? Are you? Do you have your dinner reserved? Are you ready? You better be, because we're about to have fun. Yeah, have that'll you reminded yourself not to not to tell David Ladd what room you're in, <laughs> <laughs> or even the address of the fest. Given the opposite one. <laughs> well, if you want David Ladd to find your room, just leave a trail of alternating waters and diet Dr. Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it'll just it, it, by the way, David, it's over at Heron Point this year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was in Milwaukee. <laughs> so, uh, Curtis, you seem to be a bit under the weather there. Yes, I have a cold. First cold I've had since 2019. You're welcome. Celebrated <laughs> <laughs> here. Yeah, <laughs> you must have caught my cold. This is actually better than it was yesterday. I actually didn't partake in the uh, Game on Challenge Thursday night because I could barely talk. Now I just sound a bit hoarse. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. What do we got today? First up, uh, I believe we're going to have Show and Tell with Brian Weasler. Of course we are. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> He's on tub number three and warehouse number four right now. He's going to pull in the big rig into the into the big loading dock there. And, uh... <laughs> oh, right? We, we, we need to make you your own intro. Yes. Yep. What's in Brian's <laughs> warehouse today? I mentioned that. <laughs> need like a giant candy semi truck. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next the next thing we need is somebody with some talent. Well, Ron's good at making like like signs and stuff, so he can make the uh, the graphic for it. Just need to come up with some music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we need an intro for him. <laughs> David Lab singing talent. soprano. What am I saying? Look at Brian. <laughs> look look at my background. I was I was over at your place. Oh, there you go. Yep. Looks yeah, looks just like it. <laughs> well, let's hear today. I uh wanted to share with something to you uh with you guys here. So a few weeks back here I shared this thing here and uh, I was asking you guys to kind of guess guess what this was or anything like that. Does anybody have uh, any idea have they maybe seen one of these uh, since then? Maybe not. Is it like a I'm slot extender? Of... Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. extender yeah, it's like with MPI. Like, like a slot extender, yep. So yeah, like a Y cable. Yep. So it has uh, the three connectors here, and uh, is that the Hawksoft one or Orion or which one is it? No, this one here, and this is what this is what was kind of the little bit of the clue because this is what started my uh, my uh, my adventure. Um, and uh, so I, I picked this thing up here because, uh, well, let me switch cameras here, and I'll uh, I'll show you, and then it'll uh, it'll all make sense here. So let's see. I got this here. Let me go ahead and switch cameras. There we go. And yes, it's a towel. <laughs> so we can, so we can have, so we so we can have the reveal here. So um, like I said, so I, I picked up uh I picked up this uh, this adapter here from a fellow and him and I started talking and uh well lo and behold I bought something from him in addition to uh, this extension. Here. Brian bought something? Oh wow. Gonna, oh it's a Brazilian, Brazilian. clone. It's yep. a Brazilian clone. So uh, about a month and a half ago, I showed you guys a CP400 Color 1. And the Color 1 has the, the chiclet keyboard, um, yep. like the uh, like our uh, Model 1 does. This here is their next step up here. So it's the Color 2. And it has the, uh, um, has a, I guess, what, what, do you, what do you want to say? A more a a natural keyboard, keyboard or a better well, keyboard? It's halfway yep. between a melted. Right. Yep. And uh, so he, uh, um, let's see, where is it at like here? A full travel. Yeah, so it's a full travel clicky keyboard. Um, I haven't taken the cover off yet to look on the inside, but um, he uh, he had the box with it. Wow. He uh, he also set me up. Just a wonderful guy. Um, his name is. Uh, let me get. I always have to look at his name in order to pronounce it here. Uh, Mauricio, 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 um, Mate, Mate, M-A-T-T-E, Mate, Mauricio Mate. Uh, he's down in Brazil. Um, and, uh, so he set me up here. Here's the, uh, uh, the manual that came with it. Not that I'm able to read anything on the inside, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, he had the manual, which was really nice. Um, he also had the, this here, Mike, which the, 
Mike Wheeler wanted to know if uh, there's a picture of what the carts look like on the box. Yep, I will show one here in just a second here. Oh, you got so, carts with it. Yep. Hold on, Mike. There. Hold on. <laughs> so this is a, like a software menu. I think is what this is here, where it had uh, different softwares that were available for it. Uh, I'm not sure. Scan those. You could run it through a translate. Right. A, yeah, I thought about that. Um, it also has like the different channel here and how to maybe do some adjustment on the TV is what I'm assuming this is here for for connecting the uh, the box and everything. So yeah, I hit all the paperwork with it, which is really nice. Did you get nice a pair plain. of grave beauties? A very candy looking manual there. Yep. Uh, this here um, kind of goes into some different. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if this is co exactly what this is that I'm looking at here, but uh, I'll have to do some translating here. Uh, here's another manual that came with it. Uh, this is a looks like a I'm guessing a catalog day software. So this must be a software uh, catalog that was available. So it was kind of that was cool. Quite a bit but, of stuff on there. Oh yeah, and it's then, very uh, clean. And then he also had uh, um, the red and green uh, handled joysticks that came with it. Yeah. So he he provided those. Um, their version of the uh, the cassette cable. So instead of being one cable, it's uh, separate stranded cables. So when did this machine come out? Like, uh, like when the Coco 2 came out? Since it's a CP400 color 2. Um, I was looking to see. I thought I saw a date somewhere, actually. Uh, let me look here. I think I saw a date on something here. I'll, have to, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, it also had this as their, their version of a serial cable. So this goes into the back and then your serial end right here. Um, this would be kind of like our little shortcut thing that, you know, that comes with the, uh, with the oh, yeah. computer, your little, uh, handy yeah. game. So, yep. That's nice. Is it NTSC? Uh, no, this is, uh, this is pal. And, uh, I'm using, uh, I'm using the, uh, the video, uh, I'm using a, uh, SCART converter so I can look at it cause it can, it can do the pal. I'm it trying to remember is this... Brazil regular pal or was that some special pal? Well, that's interesting that you say that because uh, when I was talking to uh, oh, who was I talking to, some parts are one ten and other parts are two twenty, and uh, and then the, you got the then you got the PAL uh, for the video there. But uh, this is a little software application. I haven't looked at see what's on here yet. That came with it, and then uh, they even had a uh, dust cover. Mm, wow, nice, which is cool. Is there a matching cassette player? Uh, there might be. There might be a, a piece of hardware available. Um, so that'll be next week. <laughs> that'll be next week. <laughs> By the way, Sixie in the chat is saying it should be Pal M. Pal M. Okay. Very so, special Pal. We've all seen this, right? Yep. Yes, yep. a famous okay. Steve Bjork game. <laughs> right. This is what ah. their, this is what their cassette looks like. Or their cartridge, I'm sorry. Oh, cartridge, yeah. Yep, you can see this here slides back here, a little shutter exposing the uh, edge card connector. It's a, it's a bit smaller, but of Spring course you just, had the ROM, you just had the ROM chip in there. But, so, cool. if you haven't seen one, this is where, this is where their, their cartridges go in. This little thing kind of lifts up here. It's kind of hard to see. And inside there is where the cartridge goes. And you have to kind of hold it and give it a little bit of a little bit of force, but uh, let's see. Let me get a better angle here. Uh, I, have to, I always have to do it with it laying down, but you have to kind of really kind of push it in there, and uh, 
and the cartridge goes in there, and then you have to really yank it to give it to, to get it out. Almost like it drops down there a little bit. Yeah, it does. So back to this. This gentleman <clears throat> makes these. So this plugs into into here, and then it extends this out, so it gives you two uh, two um, two uh, connectors on the outside here, so you can plug mm. in two different things and stuff. So. Yes, it's like our Y cable, and I'm sure this would work just fine on a Cocoa as well. And give you two ports on the outside. But since it has the open connectors, you can actually plug in actual Cocoa cards as well as the CPU. Oh, this thing. Yeah. Are yep. they the same pinouts? They are the same yes. pinouts. Just yes, they are. Yep. So let me go ahead and slam this guy here in real quick. Here we go. And uh, just so I was able to run this thing properly, I made an investment in a good quality power converter. <laughs> so, <laughs> good idea. So, so I can uh, because it's two two twenty. Yep. So well, this uh, well here's what their power block. It's like the dragon where it's external. Mm-hmm. So and it does have a switch on the back here, so you can either switch it between one ten and two twenty. So I have it set to one ten, and I have this set to, and I have the power converter set to one ten as well. So let me do one more switch here, guys. Let me do this. Well, well, if you're able to switch it over to 110, why do you need the power converter? Is it 50 hertz? Um, it has to do with the well, the, the the connector. Instead of being two blades, it's actually um, uh, it's actually two pins that come out. Okay. So, so commonplace like sweet. You know, and we you lost your video, by the way. Yep. Yep. Give oh. me one second. Here we are. No sign on. Uh, a second. Here it should go. Come on. Let me make sure I got this thing turned on. Did you crank oh, it? Nope. Hold on. Give me one second. One more power button. There we go. There it Here. goes. And there's oh. there's there's popcorn, popcorn. in. Uh, <laughs> I noticed there's no oh, credits God. on this version. <laughs> and it thinks it's NTSC. Yes, because well, because I have a, my uh, my um uh my my uh, SCART uh, HDMI to or SCART to HDMI converter. Um, I have a little adapter card that I'm able oh, okay. to put the uh, composite input into. Let's see here if I can pick the, which joystick it's going to be here. I'm going to take a guess as to whether it's the left or the right one. So, Is that Jason's thing you're using? Well, I'm using the converter box that would go with... Uh, oh, there it goes. Now you can see the colors look a little different here. Oops. Yeah. Whoops. That's a bunch of Chevy lo- logos up there. Oh, I must have the wrong <laughs> bunch of Chevy logos. Kill them. Kill them. There yeah. we go. So this is, let's see. Oh, I'm assuming it to kind of catch this, uh, catch it here. So it's, left, uh, or, left or right-handed? What's that? Uh, I think this is the, I think I'm doing the right here. So, oh, oh, so anyway, I thought I'd give you guys a little yeah. flavor of that there. So I thought that was kind of fun. And I have a question for Nick. Isn't the the, the vertical artifacting that you get on the um, the PAL machines? Isn't it also that green purple? Uh, I well, he's got a converter there for converting it to NTSC. So I think it's converting it for that. But the artifact colors are doing the alternate set, not the red and blue, but the the green and purple. So that to me, yeah, it's a bit bit weird because right. it is running at fifty hertz. So it said on the screen. So I don't right. know if that's something. Can you show us the startup uh, screen on yeah, the Yeah, but it, it did say NTSC. Uh, 
Scott converters. Yeah. NTSC at 50 hertz. That's weird. <laughs> There's 1984 right there. Yep. There you go. But I think it's uh, doing something weird with the artifacting as well. Do CLS9. Let's see. What's that? You want to see if they hacked the Microsoft? Uh, yeah. Do CLS9. Check. David Lord said the popcorn looks stale. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ah. <sneaky. laughs> ah. Master stroke. Ah. <laughs> we put no Microsoft ROM here. Look away. <laughs> of course, we made this ROM. Wink, wink. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, let's see. Let me do this here then. Our totally original ROM. Trying to hold this here. Okay. I plugged totally. in that uh, that extender now. Blue spike. Six, 60 wants you to do a uh, print mem. Okay. Oh. So that's running so that's an actual running... cocoa cartridge and it's working. Yeah. Yep. I assume the artifact colors will still show up, the purple green. Yeah, though. bring them up. I well, think it'll be the same. That's much better than our cocoa because it, it actually converted to English. Let's see <laughs> well, the master diagnostic are the colors right? Wow, um, it has real time translation in it. Yes, yeah, the same artifacting. So it's oh, it's yeah. a black and white, but it's doing artifacting, which uh, but the wrong colors, wrong phase, yeah, wrong phase or something, whatever it's called. Yeah, some might say this is the wrong machine to be running it on. <laughs> yeah, it's just a phase. <laughs> well, it could it could even be the converter that's doing that. I don't, yeah, that's I true. don't know. Yeah, it might be getting I'm, as confused as I am between the fifty megahertz on NTSC. Fifty hertz. Yeah, on a sixty hertz signal. Yeah. To the guy, and it did say it's it's uh, based on uh, what PAL M. So maybe the conversion from PAL M to NTSC is doing something as well. Hey, you can know, you do I'll... one other thing, Brian? Here, when you're at the prompt, can you just type in P mode four? Well, that'll come straight back to basic. So yeah, but it says color basic, not extended, but it actually accepts P mode 4, which means it's really an extended basic ROM. Because uh -huh. I noticed the MEM's way lower than it would be on a straight basic. Oh, right. I guess if you only have one, we call it extended. So they must have a 16K ROM chip in there, but they're calling it just color basic when it's really extended. So the guy's sounding like Curtis Boyle, sort of. <laughs> would you ever, ever want to... Uh, purchase one of these to have for yourself I, i'm not a machine collector I, i'm the software side of things i like to see all the software that's written for things like i know there's a ton of stuff that's been translated uh for the the cp400s and so a bunch of the other clones too but i would like to see some of the original software that brazil themselves produced that's what i'd be more interested in i'm not a collector so i don't wouldn't i wouldn't want to spend a ton of money to try to get one of these hey brian mm -hmm. do you have yes. your coco sdc handy i do <laughs> Do, it. Do it. Let's see the blue smoke. <laughs> you know which way to, to plug it in, do you? Because that's all. Yep. Yeah, there it goes. It's extended well, color basic because the fact that the disk basic worked on it. Yeah, it wouldn't work otherwise. Well, then you need to run the Coco hey, put a, to, uh, 64K test, which is Sailor Man. Oh, that's here. We're, by the way, Franklin Harris says uh, Pal M uses the NTSC subcolor. Oh, that is doing something weird. And he what says that Pal M is very similar to NTSC, so probably just the Hertz is the difference, yeah. and obviously the go, phase. Go to right. games and Sailor Man. Come on, or that was level one. one. That would explain why the <laughs> upscaler said Hit NTSC. Out.
Well, this is definitely very interesting. I like this. Now, if only we could test real floppy drives on it. Let's see here. Where's that? There is the bottom of the screen on the left hand side. We are looking at Brian's Brazilian and Sailor Bass. There we go. That'll be green and purple now. Yep. I don't know if there's a way to change that so you get the right color phase. If you have a cocoa, is the green. Now you got to try a cocoa SD. Okay, is it red? How do you do? How do you answer this question? Cocoa VGA. <laughs> it's never going to match. No. What do you want to go to enter? Uh, clear. Uh, it doesn't clear? matter. Yeah. Hey, run the, the other run, run the program to see if it's got a T1. Yeah, there it is. Green and purple <laughs> instead of red and blue. <laughs> but it runs. Yeah, so it's got 64K. Run the program to see if it has a T1. Uh, 84? I don't think the T1 was out yet, was it? Probably not. But it's easy enough to check. And I was going to say, I think most people will use just the 6847, so I think Tandy was the only one that used the T1, wasn't it? Yeah, we don't. Might have been, yep. Black and white yeah, the Deluxe right. was supposed to use it, but it, of course, never got released. Uh, is there anything else you guys want me to run on this thing at all, out of curiosity? or Something with the standard colors, four colors, P3. So we're going to this end. thing at Cocoa Fest, right? I can bring it to Cocoa Fest. Would you like, would you like me to bring it there so you guys can see it? Yeah, because sure. almost none of us have seen these in real life. You know what's neat about the 400 there? Yeah, there's no place to set your hands and cause it to... Um, grind away the color at the bottom or no but it but it is kind of a rather sharp edge though so but, yeah. uh, 60 points out in sailor man the collared greens are actually green so it's a win <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh let's see here i'm trying to think is there anything else in the, that he that he sent along there to uh, to share with you guys i don't think so so essentially that's what i wanted to share go ahead how, how many people have actually uh put the uh sdc on uh CP400. Have you ever seen a picture? I, didn't um, they have them on there when they were showing us live from the Brazil retro show? They may have. I thought they did. They one, have, thing that, they uh, the... one thing that I was uh, maybe going to try was to open the case, and I was uh, messaging uh, Brennan Donahue about this. I wonder if a Coco VGA would work in this thing. Yeah. If it fits, it should. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah, that's it, a smaller it, case, so that's the one problem. It may not fit physically without the top off. Right. The, yep. Exactly. Yeah. The the Coco VGA should work in it because if it if it'll work in an MC10 and a Coco and a Dragon, why wouldn't it work in in the CP400? That's right? what it hammers for. Just like a cat. If I fits, I sits. <laughs> okay. I have one last test for you, Brian. Yes. If you want to test out the standard eight colors and make sure they're not all weird, run Dragonfire. Okay. The game. Because that actually puts all eight colors on screen at once. See where we at there. If you hit DR really quick, it should jump straight to. There we are. Yep. Drag fire. Oh, I don't know why there's two of them. Is it? Anybody know which one I should run? Do the first one or the second uh, one. I'm down the below. I, the original. I already, yeah. The original. 
Look for the blue smoke. Oh, no, that's doing all the colors. There's the cyan whites and stuff in the second color set and the green, yellow, red, blue for the uh, first color set. So yeah, it's doing that properly. And timing. Right. Working, yeah. Phantom 8-bit thought. So it's just the, just the artifact machine. colors are off. The regular colors seem to be pretty well on. Yeah, the artifact seems wrong. Well, and if also if it would run the um, uh, the, the Coco VGA, it would uh, probably also handle uh, AC's um, uh, DV. Yeah, I mean the video hardware. It's basically it's all the same reference design. The Dragon and the Coco both are off of. So, yeah, very cool. Let's see here. Where what do I do here? Okay, does anybody else have anything? Want me to try on this thing here? Where we got it. Uh... Powered up though. One thing I did hear about these things though is, and I can kind of, and I can feel it already um, on the. Um, let's see here. Let me do this. Let me switch again here. Give me two seconds. And the camera should, comes on. Should, here we are. We should run OS nine on there. Good. There we go. There we are. Level one. So one of the things that I've I've seen some videos too they talk about and I can feel it right here it does get quite warm right in this area and this is where the power the power comes in on the back side here um, and it does feel quite warm and uh, I remember watching some videos where uh, some of the guys were getting in here and actually modifying this because the I think the power transistors at the time just weren't the quality as they are now and uh, so they're and I can I can feel the heat here it feels a lot like a Coco One well wouldn't you mean they were a lot better back then I'm sorry. Put your coffee there. <laughs> yeah. Ron first, <laughs> then then Mark. <laughs> Put my coffee there. Okay. Sure. Good. So, so, so you say the quality is uh, not the same as it was then. Are the ones back then a lot better? Uh, I'm not sure. I just remember that they that they were putting in a different circuit or the little circuit board or the different power transistor on it. I, I remember watching a video one time, mm, and right. uh, and they were doing something like that. Well, so. how, how many CP400s have you seen with a, a brown area there after they've used them for years? Right? Well, I, and, and it's, not so much, yeah, it's not so much the brown area. I think what ends up happening is that uh, it fails, and then you have no power. And then so then they have to go in and repair. It's a very oh. clean unit. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's super clean. Uh, the guy um, uh, takes a lot of care uh, with everything. Um, and uh, it, it actually, this came, I, I, I should have done an unwrapping. Every single thing was wrapped in cellophane. He had it all completely wrapped up nice and everything, the box and everything. He packaged it very well. Um, now, yeah, did this a, guy quit having it or does he have other ones? No, this was an extra one that he had in his collection. Oh, okay. So he he has one himself, and this was one that. Uh, well, if you saw a post, I believe. Gosh, I hope I'm saying the right. I think he donated one to Simon Jonathan. There was a post um, where Simon was yeah. uh, sharing that he was that he someone had given him a Coco or a CP400 color two. Uh, this is the same gentleman that donated one to uh, to Simon to use. There's a comment from Chuck Allison in the chat here saying the CP400 looks a lot like the Timex Sinclair 2068. And that is true. Yeah. Actually, all the CP stuff, whether it's a clone of the Coco or some of their other ones, all kind of had the roughly the same case design. Yeah, because they do, uh, did they do a clone of the uh, MX and a, well, a whole slug of different Yeah, machines. a whole slew of them. Yeah. So what's the CP stand for? Um, Color okay. pewter, apostrophe pewter. <laughs> <laughs> Color pewter, there you go. Uh, let's see here. I don't think there's anything Probably else in something the in Portuguese, to... right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything I mean, else to share yet because this was I, I did. Uh, I did have this sitting here with me though. So as a comparison, you can kind of this is just the box, but you can see 
there it is. There's the, you can see the, the, the chiclet type keyboard that it had. Now this is, that's the, uh, that's just the, the, uh, the color. And then they had the color, that's the color one. And then the color two, one thing that I would love, and he, he said he will never give it up is, uh, he has one of these, one of the few drives that are available. So yeah. We he, saw that at that Brazilian show. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. He has one of those there. And, uh, there, there was no talking him out of that thing. <laughs> did, uh, did people with the chiclet board upgrade to the newer board or to even? Uh, um, I don't know if that's an option board. or I don't know if that's an option or not, because um, in this case here, the, the, the case is all one piece and uh, it's kind of hard to see here. Well, let me bring the box back here again. But uh, the case actually has holes in it. So the keys come up through the holes of the case. So I don't know if the, if you could really swap it out like you could with the color. You know, computer. swap the whole top cover basically to do that. Yeah, that's uh, probably, yeah. Franklin so. Harris said uh, CP is personal computer in Portuguese, which would be something like uh, uh, computer personnel. There we go. That would make sense. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. And how come color spelled like we, we spell it? French. Uh, it is a Yeah, See, it is like can't spell. America. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I had I had a thought here now um, related to this. Oh, um, that's something you new. know. Yeah, I, I know, right? <laughs> that, that's that's what that burning smell is. <laughs> but now, Nick, you wrote that book. Uh-oh. You wrote that book, Coconuts. Here's another yeah. book idea. Now you could write one about the clones called Brazil Nuts. <laughs> all you have to do is learn portuguese yeah well that's right i'm kind of curious i don't want to take up too much more of your guys's time though but i do have a color computer here that i could plug in their cartridge into ours would i don't know if that would be interesting or not i don't know if that would right. do. let's do it does, does it does it is it gonna smoke yeah, if, it does, if it does smoke please don't turn it off we'd like, <laughs> we'd like to see what happens you'd like to see what happens there yeah should work. Should. Should. Famous last words. Right. <laughs> this will just take a minute. This will just take a minute. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Everything. <laughs> now, is that wood grain or simulated wood grain? Uh, no, this simulated. is ge- genuine mahogany. No. <laughs> genuine simulated wood grain. <laughs> You're going to burn up your T1 computer? No, this is a color computer 3. Oh. oh. Okay, let's see here. Let's get the good old switcheroo fired up here. Everybody's favorite video. Kevin Holloway says, out go the lights. What's that? Out go the lights. Out go the lights. Yep. Flip the switch. Okay. So let's first make sure we got some video here. Rocky Hill says NTSC smoke or pal smoke. You can tell by the color. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't make a, a kit for the three, did they? No, not that I've seen. No, I haven't seen that either. But if I knew now what I knew. If I knew then what I know now, I would have bought a few more 87 gimmies. 
Yep. Gen four. We all would have. Okay, hold if on I a second guess. here. That looks a little little wonky. I think yeah. it's because of uh it's probably uh Ooh. Yeah, it's it's not uh it looks like it looks composite. Yeah, switcheroo. Is there a USB cable plugged in? I think so. Let's let me double yeah, check. You need power. <clears throat> no, let's see here. And is the switch in the right position? I think so. That 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 video quality is not very good at all. Was the switch flipped before it left the factory? Absolutely. Yeah, it looks composite to me. It, it does look like it's in composite You're gonna have for some to have reason. That, um, oh, hold on here. Hold five on. volts going into a. There, there we go. Thing is, Stand by. I, I think he needs to call tech support. There you go. Oh, wait a minute. There it is. Much there, better. There, much yeah. cleaner. That's, that's, that's the old question. Is it plugged in? Right. <laughs> okay. Now, here we go. By the instructions say all cable connections must be made to ensure proper operation. <laughs> no, no signal. Let's see if we can get this thing to pop in here. No sign, Al. <laughs> Jason was proud writing those words because he knew they'd come in come in handy someday. Oh, uh, you know what? I may have done this all for not. Oh, uh, you know what? I happen to have a uh, extender here available that's going to make my life a little bit easier. That's an awesome color, black. This side up. Yeah, because they're cartridges because of the shape. I think uh, it's um, the. Uh, um, Please remember to turn off your computer before inserting. Yes, it is off. Paul Shoemaker wanted to know if your extra Cocoa 2 is disposable. My extra Cocoa 2 is disposable? You're going to have to be more specific. What what, what you mean by extra cocoa too? Yeah, which which of the fifteen are you referring to? Right. <laughs> okay, well, guys. Actually, I think I think I got this all ready here. Let's see what we got now. Nos Ignal. How about Ooh. that? Picoca. Uh, <laughs> I think some colors though, isn't it? it? It's spelled different. Oh, that's that's, okay. that's RGB RGB. That's why. Okay, uh, so yeah, I just flipped it from uh, on the switcheroo. I flipped it from the RGB to the composite. Composite. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so that's the one thing. Uh, palette settings. Yeah, that's My the one RGB. thing I like about the uh, SDC is like I always tell it to go RGB. I'd like. I wish I had an updated ROM that I could default the RGB on my Cocoa Three. There we go. Well, out of curiosity, yep. So their cartridges do work on uh, on ours there. So. On the artifacting's correct there. Yep. Really? And just a flip of a switch. Just a flip of the switch, right? Colors a bit washed out. <laughs> it's composite. Uh, yeah, you're going to have that with com composite. Oops. Even composite, too. Mm -hmm. Compost. Compost. Composite. 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 But for anybody that's kind of wondering, though, this is what their plugs look like on there. So, oh, you you can get those travel adapter kits that have all those different plugs you can swap between. Uh, you know what? I think I, I think I have some of those. I'll, I'll bring you one. I have a, use that as a, a plug adapter. Okay. I think I have one of those, too, but I'm not giving it to you because I need it when I travel. I have one right here. I got like a whole box of them so or a whole package of them. So I have multiples, but it's just a little... It's just a little thing that plugs in. You plug the two pins, and then you get the regular. 
uh, North American outlet. Right. Until you need frequency conversion. And then. Yeah. Well, I, I'm using a, I'm using a, uh, I use this on a uh, adapter that doesn't, it doesn't care what the voltage is uh, or frequency. So we're good. We also have a tip for you, Brian, from David Lord in the chat. He says, don't sit on that by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, was this, uh, was that color two that came in? I thought it was uh, pretty cool. It's a neat looking machine. So They saw Brian's Brazilian. There you go. <laughs> What's neat is you have macrame oh, back boy. there from the 70s behind you. What's that? I have what? You have macrame hanging behind you from the 70s. I think that's called a curtain. No, no, no. it's his planter Plant. hanger thing. Oh, Did you remember those? In the 70s? <laughs> but it's supposed macrame to be made hanging. from jute rope or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong, wrong, wrong channel, Ron. So, <laughs> no, I'm Ron's craft channel. I'm just older, and I remember stuff that you know. Oh, I, I know. Yep. He he remembers when they when you had to, you started your car with your feet on the ground. <laughs> he remembers when Tandy bought out Radio Shack. Right. No, Get kidding. off my lawn. <laughs> he went to high school with Marconi. All right. Oh, well, thanks for letting me share that, guys. Okay. Thanks for bringing it on. It's really nice to see our Brazilian cousins in yes. real life. Well, mostly real life. Did anybody else have anything to show off? Yes. And another segment of Ron's Garage. Or Garage, depending on your uh, region. We're there. Focus. This happens to be your desk. My, no, my, it's Dang, my, that's pixelated. My Twitter thing. <clears throat> I wanted to show you all the junk I've been putting on Twitter. Let me just slowly scroll down here. Did you run out of Facebook groups? You had to go to Twitter? Yes, I am infecting everything. Pretty soon it'll be uh, that other uh, but Rumble and the Instagram. I'm in TikTok. Ron, Ron will be his own AI. Yep, look out. Hey, Ron, have you ever joined MeWe yet? MeWe, yes, I, I'm a member. Well, then why don't I ever see any posts there, sir? Because I just look. I'm a looky-loo. Oh, so you're a voyeur. Yeah. Isn't that a good picture right there? Yep. Look, does that look familiar, guys? We should be seeing that. it soon, we're I think. That, yeah, we're going to have that feature so soon coming. Yep. This is from Cocoa Fest in 84 when there were some Cocoa Twos for $99. Show special. Yeah, people were excited. Bait them up. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yep, look at all that stuff. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I found one of these in a, a Goodwill or something. I put my hand on it and I said, take my picture, huh? Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they could have won. 
So uh, David Lord in the chat would like to know, uh, Ron, if you uh, close the garage in the summer months. <laughs> I, I have one of those um, medieval chains that go across <laughs> the board and then the drawbridge. Yes. See, lots of things. It's okay. It's a dry heat. That's it. Thanks, guys. That's all I had to share today. And someone else okay. can have to pick it up. Anybody else have anything to show today? Or I could show my power adapter. Nope. Uh, was everything we hit on the list? <laughs> what do you say we take a uh, outro? Bit of a commercial break and then do the game on results. There you go. Let's see. Yes, we do have a Ken. All right. You ready, Ken? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Well, let's take a short break. Don't miss the 31st annual Last Chicago Cocoa Fest. April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. Go to tandylist.com or blendsideccc.com. Register today. Don't miss it. Tandylist.com, blendsideccc.com. Register today, April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. Don't miss it. April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. Blendside The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gare, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Ascom, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Dinty's Hideaway, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, John, Boat of Car Schaller, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Apple's Anonymous says, Name, Nick. Systems, Tandy Color Computer, Atari ST, Anything Apple. 
How do I retro? I started buying and selling Apple computers in the late 90s, which turned into a full-time job, now collecting older Apple computers as part of my business and my collection. Where did I hear about you guys? I got an invite from a Discord moderator on a retro Apple YouTube stream. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Cruise Mongers, Glenside Computer Club, Nightbeard, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. Because cocoing is better together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Creature Feature. We had a total of 12 participants. Rondell Vaux with 325. Mark B, 1625. Mr. Dave, 6309, 1675. Sloopy Malibu, 3550. Buck Owens, 3725. Rich N, 9325. Jim Rye, 9450. Shenley, 9700. Paul Shoemaker, 10100. L. Curtis Boyle, 11975. Canadian Retro Things, 13700. And the number one score this week goes to Tasman with 16,925. Thanks everybody that played. We'll see you again next week. You'll see who's on the top of the list. Absolutely, Ron. <laughs> you're the top I don't of the know, list. You're on the bottom. The part I'm, I'm seeing, you're on the bottom. No, intellectually, I'm <laughs> at the bottom. Oh. Well, from Australia, uh, since I'm he's upside right. down, you're also on the bottom. Yeah, you always right. put the best at the top, don't that's, you? That's right. <laughs> First one he mentions every time. Rondello. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, I couldn't find any reviews of Creature Feature anywhere in any magazines. Uh, Curtis, do you know of anybody that reviewed this game or? I didn't really look here. Let me see if I have any I, indexes. I who, looked through the indexes. Who, uh, I couldn't find anything. So, who released this uh, game? Um, Challenge Software or something like that. I can't something like that. that. It actually went through a couple different names, if I remember correctly. The author uh, actually wrote stuff for some of the other companies as well. He wrote some stuff for like um, Color Quest, the Nelson Software Systems uh, VIP library guys. Let's see. So the author was John Nakowski. Challenge Software also originally was Color Software. Right. Anyway, so a pretty simplistic game. Um, you just wander around the screen, shoot things, and avoid the snowballs, which apparently are rocks, but they look like snowballs to me. Um, I guess... Uh, All I know is they kill the you. Canadian's perspective. Yeah. 
And it looks a lot like you're carrying a hockey stick to shoot things, so. Definitely a Canadian game. Yeah, there you go. I don't think so. All of our hockey sticks are uh, ready for uh, battle. Always. Did did you guys want to see how I got all the way up to 325? Did you record (laughs) it? Yes, I'll show you a picture. Sure. Okay. This is a picture of me stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Oh, that's the other game. Oh, darn it. Okay. Well. I'll be and if you get stuck picture. like if you get stuck like that on uh what you call it, uh stone uh stone raider. Yeah. You, you have to hit break to uh kill yourself. Yeah, I tried. I it must not have hit it hard enough. Or something. <laughs> I think that's the button you hit. Anyway, anyway pe- people big were big asking me, <laughs> what what game is that? And I said, they'll have to come here. Try to generate some viewers. Absolutely. Um, Did anyone come? <laughs> they might be in the audience. We don't know. If they're still we have view, We have viewers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Not just us. <laughs> I'd like what? to say hello to both of our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, are you including the ones in the panel? Because we have none. But and the checks in the mail. <laughs> Nick, so, yeah. wake up! So we have four. Okay. Well, we know Kevin's <laughs> watching because he keeps eyeing me. So. <laughs> and getting back to creature feature. Yes. Uh, basically, just a simple little game with cutesy looking things that you shoot. So. Um, I guess, uh, for tips and tricks for that game, avoid hitting the things that look like snowballs, but are actually rocks. And, uh, if you hold the fire button down, it slows the creatures down a little bit, but you can't move. You just keep firing in whatever direction you, uh, face your joystick. So it's one of four directions. Also, you can't shoot diagonally. And, uh, so you just got to be prepared to... Stay far enough away from the creatures that you can avoid their shots. And other than that, I don't know. Uh, avoid the sides of the screen because that's where they all of a sudden will appear on top of you and kill you. Yeah, my general guide was basically stay in the middle. And then once a creature or two comes on there, figure out the furthest way to run away from them. Because that'll give you enough time you can shoot them and then still have time to dodge their shot when it comes after you. If you're too close to them, they'll shoot you and you, you have no chance to move. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, did anybody else uh, have any tips or tricks for this game? No, it's a, pre- it's a pretty generic game, which I think most of the challenge software stuff was. I remember that when they started their ads, they had four games simultaneously released. This was one of them. Um, there's a couple that have a bit more of a 3D-ish look perspective to it that look a bit more impressive. I know Mr. Dave 639 has actually done some color patches to one of them. Uh, but uh, none of the games were what I call exceptional. Mm-hmm. Although fun, I think, like just as a little, a short time killer. I think these are the types of games that you pick up for five minutes and then go off and do something else. Yeah. I mean, for something of a similar genre, like say, you know, a Robotac or Robotron, I would probably pick those ahead of this one because they have some extra bits and stuff. But Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, It's not, you know, the cream of the crop, but it's still not uh, bottom of the barrel. No, and it only needs 16K, so, I mean, it, it didn't... Yeah. 
require too much uh, hardware back in the day. Nick, you didn't write games to uh, fit that genre, huh? Um, what genre? You know, pick up and play for five minutes and then yeah. go away. Yeah. Well, I did well, far less uh, than that in Neutroid. So some some of the Nick's games, you pick up and play for five minutes, <laughs> throw the joystick, and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick. Idea for you, Farmville. <laughs> what? It's all right. Go back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait me up. Don't don't wait me up, David. <laughs> Actually, didn't Jay make a sort of farm bill when you're planting crops and stuff? It's an isometric Coco Three game you did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, posted on Facebook. Yeah, to be on my site too, I think. Which I've been catching up on this week, so that's good. <laughs> Paul Shoemaker says his tip for creature feature is to play it for a minute and then switch back to Neutroid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, Make and then sure thirty seconds the after mail. that, switch to a real yeah. game like you know Robotron or Defender or something. <laughs> yeah, that just go ahead. Yeah, and but bang you, you got to remember also back in 1983, you didn't have those games for the color computer. Okay, Phantom so. Slayer, Invaders Revenge, Donkey King. I could rattle off a whole bunch. There you go. <laughs> so don't don't be comparing it to games that have come out recently. Also, Neutroid didn't come out till '84, but anyway. Pegasus and the Phantom Riders would have been my choice. <laughs> Maybe next week we deep dig a little deeper in the SDC for a game. You want me to get deeper? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> you can pick a CP400 game so none of us understand the directions of the scoring because it's all in Portuguese. <laughs> It'd be like me playing. <laughs> I'm sure I could find some, but something that will make me hated for the week. <laughs> oh, I will still attempt to do the dramatic reading. <laughs> you, you How's your Portuguese? You, you can't mispronunciate it any more than usual, so why not? <laughs> 60 suggesting right? wildcatting. <laughs> Scripts it. Which actually I didn't realize until we interviewed the image producers years ago that that was actually cross-platform. Coco was one of the late runners of that one. That was actually made for like the TI-99 and a bunch of other machines first. Wow. I had no idea. Huh. I did not know that either. We struck oil. Okay, well, apparently Creature Feature kind of went over a bit like a lead balloon. It wasn't a terribly popular <laughs> game, but I didn't think it was a horrible game. We've played a lot worse. No, I've, I've played worse. <laughs> yeah, we've played when a lot played, worse. Uh, Mark, when Very you recently, we struck fact. oil, that reminds me of wildcatting. Yes? Exactly. Weren't we just talking about wildcatting? Anyways, moving on from wildcatting, because <laughs> we're not playing that game right now. The other game we're playing is uh, Stone Raider 2, which is a uh, version of uh, Boulder Dash. That's yep. the original game, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Originally Bouncing on Boulder. the Dragon? Bouncing Boulder <laughs> is the other version we have. Actually, there's a third one, but I was showing that later in the news. Um, oh, okay. But uh, there is no Stone Raider 1 for those who are curious. Yeah. And also, interestingly enough, uh, let me just bring this up. Uh, Steve Rasmussen went through the code and found this was the actual original title screen for it. So it was obviously called Dig It originally. Yeah, because there's some uh, remarks in the code, like actual just you know, text. 
Yeah, and there's also there's also a cheat mode that he has no idea how to uh, get into, so that was never implemented. I think the cheat mode for this game would have been good because it's a uh, little difficult. Not exactly the most responsive of controls. You Mario characters too. Yep. He even calls it Mario in the instructions. So oh, the one thing I find fascinating about Stone Raider 2 is that you were just showing the screenshot there. Mm-hmm. And the artifacting colors actually look like they're designed for artifacting. Yet it's a dragon game which didn't have artifacting. So it I don't he know if that's just a pure accident <laughs> or because he stole shapes out of like for the Mario character and stuff from other games that used artifacting. Maybe that's why. I don't know. It's possible. Donkey yeah. King, maybe. Or was he using a Tano dragon? Or Dan Downland or who knows? No, I think it's I think the guy, if I remember correctly, is British, the author. Because he actually okay. was on the uh World of Dragon forums years back. He actually responded to some questions. Well, there goes that theory. So right, that game so, is extended for another week, right? We yeah, got another week. So we're playing that too. game for one more week. And uh yeah. Like I said, the the uh controls on it are a little bit iffy because uh sometimes when you move the joystick, it's a crapshoot whether you're gonna move uh at all, one space or two spaces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I thought that was just me. Nope, it's not just you. It's a crapshoot. Is that an algorithm they wrote into it? I don't think so. I just think it's not a very good reading of the uh, joystick input. By the way, Buck Owens, Steve Rasmussen, uh, just mentioned in the chat here. So there's a tip in an issue of Dragon User Magazine that has a bunch of pokes to activate the cheat mode. Oh, okay. So that's so I'm guessing how to do it. Yeah, I'm guessing it's like Rogue, which has the entire cheat mode where you create your own objects and monsters and everything else built in. But there's one single branch never they put in, which if you change it to a branch if equal or something like that, then it enables it. But as it's shipped, you can't get to it from the keyboard. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, tips and tricks for uh, Stone Raider. Um I haven't played it yet uh, this round, don't so die. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess the only tip and trick I can figure out is that uh, if you hold the uh, fire button down and move in a direction, you'll dig a tunnel or grab a gem without moving your character from the next space. So then you can, like, grab a gem out and it'll drop a rock in front of you rather than Instead on top of, of you. Instead of on you? Yeah. But other than that, uh, I didn't have any luck playing it. I never got anywhere near the 500 points it takes to get onto the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. So I'm going to guess you never got to the second level either. Then, right? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> There's a second level. Now, uh, Ken, you played Bouncing Boulders by DICOM? The yep. North American one. Uh, do you have an obvious preference to Bouncing Boulders, or did you also find it difficult? Uh, no, actually, I've... Like bouncing boulders, I've I've played a lot of the Boulder Dash style games on a lot of systems, and in my opinion, this is probably one of the hardest. Okay, I think, and part of it is because of the control, especially when you have to go up against the creatures. You know, you'll you'll dig into their little tunnel and then try to move out of the way to drop a rock on them, and your player will just stand there and stand there, and then he'll move out of the way, and then the thing's already killed you. Yeah, that sounds frustrating. So uh, we'll have to see how that third one I found, the other dragon one. The dragon had more clones of uh, Boulder Dash than we did. Oh, okay. So the directions did say there was a uh, random mode where 
when you turn it on, uh, it just gives you a random maze. Yeah, it'll just randomly choose one. I think there's 15 mazes or something in it. <clears throat> that way you have a chance to see some of these other mazes. Because, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to get off level one. <laughs> I'm taking a score submitted for that one so far not too high or, or do some people seem to be getting the hang of it um, other than Buck Owens I don't think <laughs> the scores are particularly high <laughs> mind you he just mentioned the cheat mode maybe he actually found it yeah most people oh another trip tri- yeah, trick for it is uh, because a lot of people are definitely putting in scores that are not getting to further levels or getting to the 500 points to put your name in when your last man dies don't hit the fire button right away and you can take a picture of the screen otherwise your screen will disappear okay so so for all of you that are going to score less than 500 points (laughs) take a picture before you hit the fire button or just record a video because it's only taking 15 seconds to play the game and die anyway so there you go Because when you hit the fire button, it goes to the game over screen. But if you don't hit the fire button, it'll actually uh, just sit there and keep going. Actually, you can watch the counter still goes down and everything until you actually hit the fire button. But um, yeah, so that game is going for one more week. Hmm. Now uh, we will take a look at the live show from. To Thursday night. So we did actually have a few people playing. Um, I think up to five at once. So uh, most of us were playing Stone Raider. A um, little bit of Creature Feature was played. And uh, yeah, I think I wandered off and played a bunch of other games near the end because I think we went for almost three hours. So I'm trying to remember, Ken. I think the one thing Stone Raider has over top of Bouncing Boulders, I think the sound effects were a little bit better, weren't they? Or am I remembering wrong? Um, I don't know. I'd have to play uh, Bouncing Boulders again to kind of figure it out. I know there's a lot more stuff in Stone Raiders that I've never seen. Like, they talk a lot about uh, there's a wizard that can do something, and then there's also... um, what is it? There's a blob that will uh, continually expand that you have to kind of trap in place. Otherwise, it'll take over everything and you. But uh, yeah, so. So everything moves in complete tile positions. Yeah. From uh, If you watch back here, Mark did a dramatic reading of the uh, instructions of this game and mentioned a whole lot of stuff that, well, I definitely did not know about the game for different uh, enemies and stuff that you come up against. So, yeah. Anyways, as I said, it was uh, almost a three-hour live show, and everybody uh, seemed to have a lot of fun just hanging out and playing games and talking and everything else. Cause that's what we do on the live stream. So if you want to do that with us, join us on Thursday nights and it's just in the uh, gaming channel in uh, discord. So that's all you have to do. You don't even need a Coco emulator or anything. You can load it up 
right from you can use XROR right from uh, the Color Computer Archive to play games. Yeah, the online version works pretty good. It doesn't run everything, but it runs the vast majority. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now let, let me see if this person in the bottom uh, right corner here can actually get the. Uh, oh, that's how you do it. Interesting. Ah. I got to watch uh, that back. I didn't see that. I missed uh, it. Yeah, back up uh, about one minute. Because that thing always killed me every time. Oh, okay, so he dropped. So he top. dropped. He dropped a rock in front of the gem. There we go. There we go. A tip and trick right there. How to uh, trap that guy in there so he doesn't kill you? Because that's one of the ones that I never did get the gem from. It was definitely a puzzle-style arcade game. Yeah, it's definitely a puzzle-style, and it sounds like there's a lot of elements in future levels that uh, will change it up quite a bit from... Like, the first level is very much like Boulder Dash or uh, Bouncing Boulder, but it sounds like, just from the description, as you go up in levels, it's going to change quite a bit, have a lot of different type of gameplay, but that requires actually getting to those levels. <laughs> By the way, Sixy, the author of x is saying that uh, it would run a lot more if the uh, Color Computer Archive version got updated, so apparently it's a few versions behind. Oh. All right, well, Sixy, why don't you put the uh, updated version in the Color Computer Archive? Well, uh, Gwim has to link it in for those well, play now buttons. I know, but he can send it. I think he. I'm, I'm gathering a sixty. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he has sent it. <laughs> oh, he has. Oh, okay. you got to remember, he just finished moving too, so he was quite far behind. There was stuff I'd uploaded and took a week and a half to get put up online. Ah. Uh, Though he will be a guest on the Night's Nine Thirtieth Anniversary episode. He finally hmm. confirmed we're going to do it in May. We're just ironing out dates. All right. So that. Uh... Like I said, Thursday nights in the uh, color com or in the Discord channel. Um, yeah, just find us there and join us, play, or just join us to hang out and talk about stuff. Now, what's next week's game? Oh, all right. I guess I can do that. So, as I said, um, Stone Raider Two is going for one more week, so you still have a week to try and. Get a score on this and uh, post it. And by okay, um, by popular demand, meaning that one person requested this game. So and that would be you. Oh, Rad Warrior. <laughs> Was it me? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, hey. I, I am the guilty party on that one. <laughs> I know I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I would definitely recommend keyboard controls over a joystick yep. on this one. Yep, and I actually mentioned it on the game on uh, this last week. Is the joystick is almost impossible, and the only thing with this game is, of course, you're not going to see the score until you get the energy suit activated. But it's yeah. a neat game. Yeah, so the the, the effect it has when you blow up the whole thing at the end there is quite cool. Yep, which I haven't seen since about probably 1991 or so. It's the last time I played it well <laughs> enough to solve it. Well, there you go, Curtis. You got a goal for the next two weeks. So that's Rad Warrior, which will be for the next two. I don't know you can, but I have to get ready for this thing called Cocoa Fest. I don't know if I'm gonna have much time to play it or not. <laughs> yeah, I figure I'm just gonna ride the coattails of the guy I'm doing a presentation with. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the button pusher. 
<laughs> Lord help us all. <laughs> so, Coco okay. three required 128 k oh, yeah. if you got the cartridge. Probably greater than 120 k if you've got the uh, disc version. Highly recommend keyboard controls. It will take a while to get used to the controls. I will warn you. Um, like if you tap the key, you can change which way you're facing rather than actually move. You have to hold it down to like fully turn around. It takes time to turn around, so take that into consideration. But it's always fun hucking rocks at things. <laughs> I wonder if it works better with a, di a digital joystick. No, it works better with keyboard, period. <laughs> that, is a question I have for you. that is a question I have for you guys. What uh, keyboard are you... I'm a keyboard. What uh, joystick are you guys using when you guys are playing on a PC? I'm using the Deluxe. I've got Paul Fiscarelli's little adapter USB thing so I can play with the Deluxe. Deluxe. Okay. I use yeah, a Wyco. I'm using a 8-bit... I'm sorry, David, what? I'm using the 8-bit Doe SN30 Pro, which is uh, looks like a Super Nintendo controller, but um, is seen by Windows as an Xbox 360 controller. So you have both the digital and analog sticks and all the appropriate buttons, sure, plus rapid David. fire. All right, cool. Can you send me a link to that, David? I'll get that until Paul gets his... Uh adapter back in sure thank you so well so tjb chris i wanted to ask you um have you played radware and the other platforms which has a different name it's the ant something of the anti red um, or yeah actually i played the apple II version which is horrible um sorry apple folks um i played that one <laughs> um the pc one's okay but uh the only those are the only ones i've played it on other than the coco the coco is the one i played first and like you curtis i was able to beat it back in the day but last time i tried to play it not so much so we'll see if yeah. i can get having a map there. really helps and i actually have a hand yeah. when i did back in the day but because yeah. you have to pick up like energy boots here and battery charges yeah. here yeah i'm told that the or i believe the apple II one actually has you have a 2gs it's a lot better i think i have a 2e so um but the coco one's my favorite of the group in terms of playability and graphics i think it's the best well looking I'm at the like i've seen the c64 version a few others yep. there i think ours actually looks the best out of, of yeah pretty well Yep, and I forgot about that one. I have that one too. I played on the C sixty four. It was Sacred Armor of the Anti Red or some really weird name. Yep. I prefer Red Warrior. Hey, hey! Tell you what, for our next item, how about a update from Grant Leedy on Coco Fest? Hey, oh. before Grant, before you get into that, I, I was checking stuff when I was coming back, which is why I was late. Um, but I think Terry Steggy had something to mention about. The fest to be posted in the coconation planning thing, which I unfortunately get a chance to read. So I just want to make sure we cover that at the same time, whatever it was. I don't know if it's uh, the same thing you're going to announce anyway, or if it's something different. I'll have to go back and find it. Yeah, it I'm looking at it right now. It was, yeah, I was in Discord. Something about a, a new section that he was added to the website, News Stories Archives, which contains all the info Alan sends out post show. That's a Coco Nation thing, not Coco Fest, but yeah. Yeah, I don't I didn't get a chance to read it. It was on my phone and I was driving, so I didn't want to get a ticket. Yeah, that's the only thing I see from Terry. Uh, was it somewhere else other than Coco Nation? Uh, no, he's just saying, uh, uh, would you mind mentioning the news about the news section we added to the website? Yeah, that's what I was. News that's what I see too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't get a chance to fully read it. So, and I, I think apologize. there's a new commercial too from Rob. I think that might be what you're thinking about. Well, if you if you uh, 
showed up on time today. You'd been seen it twice. <laughs> yeah, already. you would have seen we already played it. <laughs> well, sorry to inform you, I was busy dealing with something that happened in Mississippi last night. So, <laughs> now we go Wait, ahead with your were you caught? Were you caught streaking again, Grant? No, no, I, I wasn't <laughs> down. In, I wasn't down there, but I, some of my friends were. So. <laughs> Uh, hopefully they're okay. Although I don't know what happened in Mississippi. Uh, they had a uh, major tornado go through there. It killed over twenty-five people so far. So, ooh, yeah, not a yeah. good situation. No. So Can I'll I just do, do a qu- I'll oh. do a quick update here because there's nothing really much has changed. Uh, the only big thing is make sure that you book your hotel this week. Uh, you have until midnight on the thirty-first of fe- uh, Friday. That will be the uh, last. Uh, day to get the discounted rates so that's the only major thing that i had to remind are, are the tables of. sold out now too yep tables are 100 sold out sold the last one uh thursday so am i the only be... one who thinks it's funny the last answer was 42 <laughs> <laughs> the last table <laughs> douglas adams would be so proud <laughs> So, oh, and by the way, I don't know if you guys have noticed, I got the uh, the new poster came in over the uh, over the week. So this is I purchased this one for myself, but uh, that's the new poster for this year's Coco Fest, which will be uh, we'll probably be auctioning a few of those off at the uh, auction as well. Um, by the way, I did have ways? a little I did have a little conversation with Jim Brain. Uh, we will be having hot cocoa this year, and we will be having coffee. So Woo-hoo! we will be putting a. Uh, tip jar out and depending on how many dollar bills that you put in there, Curtis will depend on how many times we'll keep on. I'll just throw in a 20 to cover me for the weekend. (laughs) So, but yeah, is that that real money or the Canadian one with Spock on it? It Entire money all the way, man. It better not be Canadian because it ain't worth anything down here. (laughs) Are they going to start asking questions? If you hand them a whole wad of $1 bills. (laughs) That's true. Don't be put, don't be bringing the dollar bills. Bring some twenties or fifties. You know, I'll throw in loonies and toonies. That's what I'll do. They don't have oh. dollar bills anymore. <laughs> Did they take Kit Kats? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's the only update I have is just make sure that you get your um, hotels booked because uh, the thirty first at midnight will be the last day to get at the discounted rate. So. And, and just in case somebody catches us too late, does have to book outside of the deadline. How much do the room rates go up? Uh, last I saw uh, for one of the days. Uh, it was $180. I don't know if it's that way for that weekend or not, because it's always fluctuating because, you know, it depends on how many people are booking up for that weekend. But uh, one time I checked, it was 180 bucks, so regular price. So $119 is a heck of a lot better than 180 Yeah, so $60 savings. That's pretty decent. Exactly, exactly. So, but uh, I, def- I, I would guarantee you, it's definitely going to be cheaper for the 119 than it is regular price. <laughs> so. But anyways, that's the only update I had uh, on that. So we'll probably be having more updates here in the following next week or two before um, before things really start cranking up. So, and, and Curtis, you, we gotta get your title of your presentation in, man. I mean, you're holding up my schedule. <laughs> you got Nitrous Nine EOU updates. So that's good enough. Oh come on, is that gonna be the name of your presentation? It's the well, same one from I mean, last the year. The presentation split amongst four things. So unless you want a title like 15 lines long. <laughs> then that's probably the best. It's going to be covering from beginner to intermediates and a couple of different tips and tricks and some demonstrations and a bunch of other things. It's, it's a kind of a hodgepodge. It's not a specific topic like last year. All right, cool. 
So I'll get that updated. And, uh, other than and that, Ken's every- doing it all. I'm just going to click buttons. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's going to be nitrous, nitrous 9 EOU by an idiot. Well, that's You're- probably a better because I enjoy ki- uh, listening to Ken than I do you, Curtis. So, Well, especially <laughs> with my, my raspy voice today. Well, you actually sound more manly than instead of a girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> EOU hodge, hodgepodge. That's what it should be called. So, so and just to let you know three. too, I one thing I will say too, I will be in Chicago on Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to the uh, Museum of Science and Technology on Thursday. Uh, make a little vacation out of this, and um, so I'll be there early. Uh, if we need help, though, on Friday afternoon, uh, looking at you, Mark B, uh, to help get stuff from the uh, warehouse at the uh, VCF Midwest Warehouse. Speaking so, of, any I've, update from Jason? Uh, nope, there is still in a big. Uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. So hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll I touch base with them. I rented a pickup. Cool. I think Jim Brain will be there also Thursday evening. So he should be able to help us with, with us as well. So it should hopefully be easy. We just need to help taping down the cables. Therefore, Curtis doesn't trip over it and break his neck or something. So does the hotel have those uh, distribution boxes? No, that unfortunately the, that the not. The one didn't. Yeah, I, I asked. They do not okay. have one. So if we might need to get one next year, we might need to purchase one for the club. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, those are like custom made for the venue. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, Never but mind. That, yeah. that was because they had crappy power. So the only way to take care of us was a distribution box. Maybe this place has enough power just native in the walls. Yeah, they, I mean they had like they had plugins like every six feet. So there was plenty of plugins. So we should be good. And Grad, you're getting several suggestions what Ken and I are going to name our thing in the chat, so you can just pick one you like. <laughs> Ken, Ken Reichert says the L. Curtis Boyle experience, which I don't like because it's not just about me. Um, Mark Seaver <laughs> says L. Curtis does OS9 stuff, which is basically just my life. Um, well, how about the OS9 <laughs> experience? Well, Nitrous 9. Okay. Canadians do stuff. Yeah, there we go. EOU no, Canadians do stuff, A. There we go. <laughs> Call it Bring a Pillow. Bring a pillow. I'm sorry. Bring a pillow for your nap. <laughs> oh, that's, true. That's, that's true. just that's just Nick. That'll keep it lively and exciting. So you don't. Our cure for insomnia. Who's all Wait. coming? By the way, from our from our panel, is everybody coming? I think I think everybody is. I'm coming. Uh, Nick's not because that's a hell of a long way to swim. Oh well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Other than Nick, <laughs> Nick will be there in spirit. Nick, get on a boat now. and get over here. Chris, are you making hey. it? Oh, it help if I turn mute off. Uh, no, I'm not going to make it this year, unfortunately. I wish I could. Okay, so there's two people that aren't making it, then. Okay. So I think we're going to have a good turnout, so I think it's going to be... you know who's a, in charge of the streaming? Sold all the tables. It will be Randy. Uh, he did the uh, uh, Tandy Assembly, so he's going to be do- doing it for us this year as well. So I don't I've, had, I've had inquiries on several other podcasts of where their people can watch so they can see the podcasts yeah, so they it will, my understanding, and I'll, and I'll verify this with Jim, but it will be on the Glenside's uh, YouTube channel. That's where we're going to stream it to. And, so and whether, I'm assuming uh, that, we're, that uh, we will be streaming probably the show floor for the whole day like we've done in the past. <laughs> so so Jim's, uh, the Glenside one will handle the seminars and the the main show floor will be the Coco Nation yeah, if Mark, if Mark B decides to do that still, that's up to him yeah, on that. It's, uh, I'm seeing what I can... Uh, Put together hardware wise that I don't that I don't have to bake, borrow, or steal. No, okay. well, yeah. I, is there any bandwidth issues we need to worry about? Is this all going to be Wi-Fi or do we have a wired connection, or how does that work? I'm 
that's also one of the things I'm attempting to address so that we're not dependent upon the hotel Wi-Fi. Be nice if there was wired. Yeah, hotel well, Wi-Fi was pretty good when I was when I stayed there back in July. So, yeah, but Rick's gonna be stealing all the bandwidth to show off his new web browser. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, that's all I had was that. Just make sure you book your hotel rooms before the uh, midnight on the thirty-first. So, and the only other date will be uh, is April tenth if you're going to do the dinner. So, right now we have about forty-five people doing the dinner, which is a pretty good turnout, I think. So. Is there going to be a check-in area, you know, where when we first get there to get your little oh yeah thing yep. yeah. lanyard? Same as every yeah. year. Yep, same as every yep. year. We'll be right there at the uh, if we get to the uh, uh, banquet room. So and it, we have. And a, is that going to be cocoa powered like like it was a few years ago? <laughs> uh, from what I've been talking to, because Tony Pedraza is the one who's doing that, and the answer to that is no. <laughs> we're we're upgrading to a PC, is my understanding. So. The check-in process should be very easily. In fact, uh, we only have a couple of people that haven't paid yet, so there's not going to be much uh, money being exchanged. So it's pretty much what's your name? Here's your here's your packet, and you're good to go. So yeah, honestly, the Coca could handle it. I think just the fact they were using what is it, Dynastar or something? Yeah, whatever program. it was, <laughs> it was probably the problem. My that thought was, was pretty cool. And they were and they were printing out those receipts with that printer that just took forever. You may old people and 40-year-old code. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and one other thing, too. I did talk to the hotel. Uh, I will let – we will not be doing the honor system this year for the dinner. So so make sure that if you want to have a dinner, that you, you would definitely book it ahead of time because uh, there's only going to be about maybe four to five that we can maybe purchase at the table on the day of. But the hotel is requiring us to wear a uh, wristband to show that you uh, are one of the people for the banquet. So, so they'll be handing those out a check-in or just before the dinner? Uh, we'll probably do it right before the dinner because people like you would probably lose it throughout the day. Well, if it's on my <laughs> wrist, I shouldn't be able to lose it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk to Tony about how he wants to do that. But uh, we could either do it the day of or the or when you check in. So I got another question. You know, when uh, certain things happen during the show, different people talk, will there be announcement overhead? Should uh, I think they have a PA system? So if not, I'll, you'll just be hearing me or Tony yell real loud. Yeah, because you guys usually announce like seminars and draws and that kind of thing. right, exactly. So like I said it'll be a little rough this year since it's a new venue. So that's what I'm saying. After we get through this year, then we can go hopefully be doing a lot more stuff, uh, you know, for next year. So we're not going to have to spend six months looking for a new venue. <laughs> so and don't drink all the coffee, Curtis. Hey, it's if you guys have coffee there, I'm drinking it. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> hey, he's putting his twenty bucks in. <laughs> is, is there going to be an elevator feature at the, at the show? <laughs> well, there is an elevator, but I you're not going to find me getting stuck into one this time. A smoke feature? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Grant! We're going to have enough. a reunion. We're going to get Mikey, you, Curtis, mm-hmm. Mark. We're all going to get in the elevator and go up. Nope. Oh, I'd rather tie die. the bed sheet to the radiator and crawl out the window than go in the elevator. Two out of two. And I'll call 911 like they did last time. Well, we're just going to send an invite to the uh, Carroll Stream Fire Department and let them know we're coming. <laughs> we we do not call 911. For those of you who don't know, when you push that emergency button in the elevator, it calls a dispatcher. But for whatever reason, in Lombard, they send the fire department. We did not call 911. Well, they were. They were friendly. They were. 
Yeah, you know, I would think they would send the maintenance person, but I guess they had to send 911 in case that somebody is claustrophobic or something. They got us out pretty quick. I'm the one that told them not to use the hose with water. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of computer geeks kind of smelly. Wash them down first before we let them up. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. We ready for the news? You up for this, Curtis? Uh, yeah, the game on news anyway. And then we'll take a break because there's a fair bit of regular news. Okay, here we go. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks, from around the world, to your nation. The Coco Nation News with L. Curtis Boyle. From when they came to get us out of the elevator. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, I have a cold, so if I feel a coughing fit uh, coming on, I will just mute myself, hopefully in time, so I don't blast it in the mic. You're so kind. Okay, you guys seen that? Yep. Okay. So first up is a couple of Jim Gary updates. Surprise, surprise. Uh, the first one here is he ported a game called Mission Adventure, originally written by Michael Brassine in 1984. And that's from a games and strategy magazine for the MC-10, uh, translated uh, to French, from French to English. So I'm assuming this was actually originally for the Alice. Um, and this one, he actually went a little bit beyond. He didn't just do the port, uh, but he actually wrote a whole blog post about it converting because he actually translated the French to English, uh, did some you know changes, minor changes to the program as well. Um, so this one, he actually covered it a bit more extensively. And here's the blog post here, where he kind of goes through where he got it from and the, you know the original documentation. Of course, you could see even the re- remarks were all in French, so he had to translate those too. <laughs> Either this is something about Jim. He goes above and beyond the pale because I I don't know if I would bother translating, you know, especially a text adventure game, which is going to have a lot of stuff to translate because the whole point of it, it's text. But he goes kind of with how the program works and a bit of the map and how it's set up and stuff, too. So if you wanted a bit of a deep dive into the actual adventure game itself from the programming perspective, I would definitely go check out his blog post. Pretty thorough, huh? Yeah, it was good stuff. Hey, I got a question for Jim Gary if he's listening in. Let's say uh, you downloaded a bunch of his stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. um, he's done, you know, he, he keeps making stuff. How do you, how do you get an updated, um, you know, just going to have to download I it? I think all he has a master or? zip on his site that you can get, but I don't know how often he updates that where you can get basically everything he's put up. Yeah, it'd be nice to know if he does have, you know, like version six, seven, you know. His yeah, I'm pretty five. sure he does. I just, I, I've never really asked him how often he updates that. Okay. So, Jim, if you're listening, yeah, that's actually a good question. I don't know if if you you know, specify like this is a release on this date of everything I've done up to that point, or if it's like once a year, once every month, or whatever that he does updates. And then next up, he converted another game. This time, it's Artillery Duel by Spectral Associates. Now, he actually saw this one on my site because part of my uh, researching the you know chronological history of Coca Games for Chronological Gaming, who's our guest next week, Jeff Wires, uh, for an interview, but. Um, I've been having to go through a lot of the old Coco games myself, going through all the old magazines and finding all the ads to figure out when they came out. 
An artillery duel was one of the ones that showed up in Spectral Associates' very first ad in 80 Micro. And that came out in February 1981. So this is before Color Computer News, before Rainbow, before Chromoset. So that's the only place you could advertise Coco stuff. So this was a 4K game. And if you guys have seen Artillery on uh, the PET and a bunch of other systems, it's basically it draws a random mountain. Actually, Jim Gary's done versions of this before that are under uh, OS 9 that we've got on EOU if you want to try them. But basically, this one here is a little bit different because most of the games of this sort, you basically have two players going against each other and you take turns. You have to calculate angle and velocity, shoot your cannonball or whatever it is and uh, try to hit the other guy and you just take turns this one is a bit different it's single player only so the computer is controlling the one on the right and actually i'll just mute the sound here because the sound effects it's it's straight 4k basic there's no extended basic no play command so the sound's a little bit well it's, it's the sound command uh but this one you're playing against the computer and the computer basically does a first shot and then he starts inching his way towards you as he gets better and better and you can only each have one shot in the air at once and uh, basically use the joysticks, no keyboard controls. So you're doing it in real time and you're changing the velocity of the shot and the angle. So you really need the free floating joystick, but you need it to stay still. So you know where it was set before you decide what your next shot's going to be. And there he just shot the uh, the computer opponent. In fact, he, he's wasting on the computer through most of this, but the computer does get him a couple times. Uh, he added a few features to it too. So he has it keeping track of how many games each side is won. The original one basically just played one game and you start over. So he did do a little bit of modification. Still fits in 4K. Uh, his modification should work on the Coco 1 and 2, too. So if you want to get an updated one, you can probably, if you can get an ASCII version of it, just load the Coco and go. So but, this won't play by itself? No. No. Okay. It's one player only. But I, I just find it kind of fascinating because, I mean, this is back so early in the Coco's life. Because, I mean, the Coco was announced in end of July 1980. Finally hit stores, depending on where you live, September, October. And this was already advertised as of February of 1981. So within a few months of the Cocoa being released, um, there was already starting to get software for it. Now, obviously, the, some of the first stuff was all written in basic because that was built and had full documentation. Machine language, I mean, the VDG chip had been out since 1978. So some people were already familiar with that. Six and nine been out since 79. People familiar with that. The SAM, the first place it ever appeared was in the Coco. That chip didn't exist before. And uh, going through some of the old 6-8 microjournals and stuff, it sounds like the original run of SAMs had a lot of bugs. There was overheating problems. There was crashes and stuff. Tandy had to actually do a partial recall and actually replace a whole bunch of them. So that was something that everybody had to learn how to use, which is why I think the machine language games got delayed a little bit, whereas some other platforms could hit the ground running because they've already, you know, the chips are in other machines and they could just, you know, learn all from there, test things out. But the SAM was a whole new beast, and um, that's why a lot of these very first games were in BASIC. Um, so just a, a little bit of history there. So I've got an entry for this one on my site, too. So anyway, it's a, it's a fun little game, and uh, the MC10 version is actually a little bit improved on the Coco version. Okay, Paul Shoemaker, early in the week, put up a beta of his Coco Ladder game we've been covering for a couple weeks now, which is a text-based game based on a terminal-based game for the CPM. Uh, and then within two days, he actually released the final results. He must have had enough beta testers to make sure it was pretty clean. So you can actually go get it on his itch.io site. It's one of the name-your-own-price ones. So if you're completely broke, you can just download the game and try it. If you want to chip in a buck or two, maybe for a cup of coffee, um, you can actually send him a little bit of money through uh, itch.io as well. So you can download that there. If you get our show notes, you can get the direct link to it. But he also released a longer play video of it on YouTube. So I'm going to play the whole thing because it's five and a half minutes, but I'll play a little bit so you can kind of get a feel for the game. Basically, collect all the dollar signs, money, and don't get hit by rolling barrels and stuff. 
auto detects uh, whether you got a cocoa one, two, or three and adjusts itself accordingly. I won't let you read the instructions here because that's boring. Get the gameplay. You're the little spinning slashy thing, and you can jump up on the H's, which are ladders. Jump over pits, etc. And there's different levels with different uh, designs. He needs to make a Coco VGA version with uh, custom uh, character sets. Multiple people have suggested that. I don't know if Paul has a Coco VGA. He probably does, but unfortunately, the Coco VGA is unobtaining right now because the chip, the main chip it uses, is really hard to get. Unless Mark or somebody, have you guys heard if those chips are starting to come back in stock? Not yet. No, shaking maybe your head. Cons- maybe you can simulate no. it by creating a. A second screen, a high-res P-Mode 4 that then just copies the uh, text screen up to the P-Mode 4. And, uh, well, try to remember, didn't, carry- <clears throat> didn't Sockmaster do that? He made a, a driver that would duplicate the VDG screen onto a Google 3 screen yeah. with all the colors. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure. I don't know if yeah. it'd be fast enough for this, though. Well, it would slow it down a bit, but yeah. But actually, maybe not, because you're not moving the whole screen. You're only moving, what, Not six, really, no. You just, yeah. And if you yeah, uh, work. could be um, done fast, because I know Larry yeah. Greenfield, he he made a version of Clue, and that's how he did it. He just used Sockmaster's Coco Three high res, you know, VDG duplicator driver with mm. huge fonts. I think it was like twelve by eight characters, something like that. Like it, it fills the whole wide screen, not just the narrow screen. So yeah, that's you, that's a possibility. You know, something that would be possible would be a 64 column version which would work on the coco uh vga and a coco 3 if you enabled the appropriate um bits yeah but i think paul wants like all of the games that paul's released he pretty well has working on all coco one twos and threes which i think is a design goal he wants to maintain yeah like you'll enhance things if you have a coco 3 like better palette sets on ghost rush etc the more hey, looks this, it's really impressive. He actually reverses the spin of his uh, of you, the player. Yeah, when you change to direction, make it smoothly run faster in either direction than it actually works. It, it's really a nice assumed animation there. Yeah, and the barrels kind of blink, so you can kind of keep track of them more easily, and a little bit of value. Uh, nice, yeah, done a good job. Decent sound effects too. Multi music, multi voice music. music. No, it, it looks like a fun game. I, I can't remember. How, he did say how many levels are on. I don't remember what the quantity is, but there's quite a few. Anyway, go grab it at itch.io if you need the direct link. Uh, you can search for the name of the game itself, uh, Coco Ladder Game, or you can just get the link out of the Discord and show notes, which are already up. I actually put them up early for a change. Okay, continuing from last week, where we saw the world premiere of Cracky, the latest Inufuto game that came out exclusively on the MC10 and 20 other systems. Last week, well, this week he caught up all the Coco stuff, so we've got the Coco 1 and 2 version and the Coco 3 version. So you can get the link for that there. This is the 13th game in this series. Um, so I'll show you what those different versions look like. So here is the Coco 1 and 2 version of it. The object of it is to go and collect the stars while avoiding the monsters as you go up in levels. The 
mazes change a little bit and there's more monsters to deal with. But you have dissolving pieces of ground here that you can run over and they collapse and then it just becomes a big hole. As you'll see as he runs over there. So that's Coco 1 and 2 version. I'll just switch to Coco 3 and I'll let him finish the level. Now he designs all of these for cassette. Um, so you sometimes get a little glitches come the disc controller because it tries to do the drive timing stuff right in the middle of the screen thing. So um, I've been using the raw mail utility to kind of get around that so it runs clean, but uh, there's an upcoming story. Your pair of Surratt's actually fixed some of this stuff too, um, which I'll mention when we get up to this story. You can see the Coke 3 obviously got more colors and slightly higher fidelity graphics. And he's running all these in composite. He doesn't run anything in RGB, which is funny. And this is using his generic engine, which I, I'm blanking on the name. It starts with C. And then you can see a brief preview of the second level. So you can see the mazes get a fair bit more complicated. And now you've got a second monster to deal with. Next up, Chronological Game. So the guy you see in the lower right corner of your screen, uh, Jeff, will be our guest next week for a full interview. We'll kind of go through it. Now, any of you guys uh, that know any other co-owners that are cross-platform gamers, maybe see if they can pop by, at least in the chat, or even join the panel to ask questions and stuff here, because obviously he's covering everything from arcade to home console to home computer, even had had electronic stuff like the old Mattel football and stuff he's covered. Um, and he's uh, just getting close to the end of 1981. I think he's in the R's now. Because uh, basically he goes through chronological ones, he has actual release dates, and then whatever's left over that they're not sure when on during the year they got released, they can just do alphabetical of those. So we're getting close to 1982. In 1982, he's got like 2,800 games. He's figuring out so far at the average number of games he covers per episode, because he does a one-hour episode five days a week. He figures it might take him a full year to cover 1982. <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him 1983 is going to be much worse. <laughs> but... Uh... As he as he mentions on his blurb, he his channel will remain perpetually retro because if they're playing every single game, there's new games getting released every day, so he'll he'll never catch up. So I was gonna play a clip of this one here, uh, one of the episodes that he had some Coca games on from 1981. This is Packet Man um, from American Small Business Computers, which for some reason suddenly decided to make games because normally they were selling systems and accounting packages and that kind of stuff. Um, this is a a very primitive version of Pac Man. There's no um, there's only three ghosts. There's no power pellets. It's basically just dodge ghosts. You do the tunnel, but it has a bit of a significance because it's Greg Zumwalt's second ever Coco commercial game. The first one he did was a kind of a Lunar Lander clone, but it's his very first one he ever did in machine language because uh, his previous one was in basic. So uh, ironically enough, he's done a ton of stuff like right through, you know, into the Coco three era. So he kept going, but uh, this is, this is where he began. So you can kind of see how that one runs. Going to the TRS-80 Coco, and this is Packet Man. Since we're going in alphabetical order with all these releases, it's going to be uh, P's or lots of pack titles. One, and I think we did pin this one down. I just uh, showed up later, but we're in. The game booted by itself, and so cool. The joystick works right off the bat. Love it when that happens. Didn't have to do anything on the keyboard. Just push the button, and then we're in. The other thing different is you can stop. Not wrap around, but it is a single maze that seems like it should be larger or it should scroll, but it does not. A lot of dead ends. That's something you don't see. Sound effects are not Pac-Man. The music is not Pac-Man. It's Packet Man. There we go. So that part wraps around. And then if you look at the top, this is almost like a trap. You get caught here and the ghost will get you. And then they have long corridors. Oh, no. There we go. 
I mean, you can see where Greg, you know, started with, and then he ended up doing stuff like, you know, Robocop. So he definitely progressed. Now, out of the people on the panel here, how many of you have seen this version of, of Pac-Man on the Coco before? Because it's not one of the more common ones from what I've seen. Not, never seen it. Nobody else? Mm, not. Okay. No, well, I haven't seen it either. Okay. Well, it's a rare one. We we did narrow it down. I can't remember what the ad. I'd have to check on my site there, but it was, I think, around November of 81 it got released, or maybe a little bit earlier, and then his Moonlander came out probably about the summer. So once again, you know, the Coco had just barely been out a year or less than a year by the time they, you know, learned the hardware, learned the program for it. Of course, the Ed Tasm wasn't out. So a lot of the early stuff was hand-coded, like, you know, Steve Bjork has mentioned with popcorn. Um, by this time, I think by the time Pac-Man came out, there was a couple commercial ones. I think Microworks had their SD80C or whatever it was called. And I think uh, Spectral and one other, two other companies had assemblers working with them. So uh, that's that's a bit of a historical one. Greg Zumwalt's first machine language game for the Coco ever. And one almost nobody's ever seen. <laughs> they had a second episode. And speaking of popcorn, which we just show, showed on the uh, CP400 earlier, uh, we covered this one here too. That was Steve Bjork's first machine language game for the Coco, um, which he quite enjoyed. And he knows it's based on Avalanche because he covered Avalanche previously in the 70s, which is the original arcade game it's based on. But he quite liked it. I won't play the actual bit here. And the other one I think he covered on this episode was, I think, Pyramid. Yeah, Pyramid by Aardvark, not to be confused with Pyramid 2000 by Tandy. I won't play that one. It's not one that, uh, it's not one of Aardvark's better text adventure games. There's even grammatical errors right on the very first screen type of thing. So it's, uh, it's, it's an older one. It actually came out in 1980 before the Coco when they were doing stuff for the OSI machine. And I think even the Model 1 and 3. So, all right. Uh, if you're into games and you're in the, the history of games, there's a lot of cool games he's covered on other platforms. There's a few I remember from high school from Apple IIs and Pets and stuff like that. There's a few on the Apple and Pets I've never seen before, and some of them are pretty interesting. So a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. If you're a gamer, you definitely would like his channel. And if you have any questions for him, uh, have them ready for next week. And one other thing he's added just this past week, too, is he's now created a, a read-only spreadsheet because it doesn't want you mucking around with it. But this covers every single game he's covered so far, and he updates it fairly consistently. I'm not quite sure if he's doing it every day, but at least every week. I think he's pretty well doing it every day if he can. Um, so this is basically going through, like here we're starting in 1971, and he's got it listed in chronological order, the publisher, the developer, platform, or it's an arcade game, the original Magnavox Odyssey 1, and then just going through. You know, up into more modern times and Fairchild and RCA Studio, Atari 2600 when it first came out. And Coco, I think, is way down here somewhere. Have to find a 1981 date here. Still in 78, 79, 80. <laughs> so now you start getting into stuff where you start seeing the, the Coco. Like, right, here's one here. Checker King. So, anyway, if you, if you, if you want to see if a game you remember back from the early, early times and you want to see if he's covered it, because he does want people to let him know if he's missed any. And he'll do little catch-ups every once in a while. So if there's a game that he couldn't find or couldn't get working, there's something that the emulators crash on. Obviously, he doesn't have all the original systems for this. But uh, yeah, if you want a nice historical thing, and this gets updated constantly. So if you want to you know, catch to see if you want to find the, all the Coco ones, you can just do a search for Cherry Color Computer. You can find every single color computer game he's done or every Apple II game or whatever you want. And there's some gems I've, I've seen. Like he started, to, the arcades are starting to have alternate countries now. So we're starting to see Japanese, uh, European arcade games. And there's some pretty cool ones in there that I've never even heard of. 
that I think I might have to download for MAME. They, they look pretty cool. Okay, now a follow-up on the Infuto game. So Paris Surratt, who of course has done a ton of stuff for helping me convert a bunch of the uh, DICOM games to run on the Dragon. Uh, he's of course the person that does the Sinclair Spectrum uh, AGD engine conversion to the Coco, which now has 250 plus titles converted over from that. He's actually picked up these Infuto games. Now one thing the Infuto games do is they allow you to use arrow keys or was it... Uh, uh ijkm for your cursor control keys if you don't want to use arrows which is a bit awkward on the hands <clears throat> which i have to agree with him with so he's done a couple of patches to all 13 games so these patches said you can use qaop which means you can use two fingers or two fingers on each hand for up down and left right opposite from each other which is kind of like how the original arrow keys were laid out and rick Ulan's, uh key fix actually supports this now too where you can rejigger the uh keys as to which where you press them because the Coco 1 and 2 had a lot of games that play really well with two hands controlling the two different directions, left, right, and up, down. And if you try to cram it all in one finger, you just cramp your fingers up and then you can't play for crap. So he's got that patched in here. So it does a QAOP. Uh, he's made them into virtual disk files because the original versions that are all coming on the interview site are all meant for cassette. And like I mentioned earlier, um, you start getting little glitches on the screen. Occasionally can even crash. Because uh, the disk timer and stuff still trying to run, and the where disk basic puts all of its variables is right in the middle of the graphic screen for a cassette system, so that does cause problems. So as he mentions here, his patches he's modified the Cocoa versions as well to be able to use the QAOP or the arrow keys if you want. Uh, it detaches the disk basic completely and disables the DOS. You don't have those little glitches happening. And he's got it all built in with a little basic loader. So you just type run the name of the game and away you go. And he's got the various versions you can download right from the archive, the World of Dragon archive from the forums. You can get the Dragon short name ones, which is more meant for an STC type system, and the long names more meant for emulators. And the same for the Coco. And then, of course, he does screenshots of the various games. And there's games here that resemble Scramble and Bosconian and Galaga, and then some original game too. So, I mean, there's a good variety there. <clears throat> and obviously, Infido is continuing to add more stuff as they go. Because uh, this one, I wasn't expecting a new game, and it just came out last week, I think, or two weeks ago. The the new Cracky game. So, uh, Next up, this is uh, promoting my own site, but that's because somebody else did some work and not me. Uh, Erica Montero uh, posted recently into the Discord that he has gotten screenshots of every single screen on Tut's Tomb and Shock Trooper. So you can see the complete maps. Uh, me playing on the emulator, I could not get far enough to get them all. I would be able to do like a level and a half or something. So if you actually want to see what every single screen looks like here on the Tuts Tomb one, it goes left to right for each level. So you got four screens per level. There's four levels. And it shows you like the maps and how they connect when you navigate through. Then you get your treasure. And he's actually got the treasures at each one here at the end, too. So you can actually see what they all are. Um, and then you've got, you know, some of these open room ones like in level four. And then it wraps back and, and gets more difficult. But big thanks to Erico for posting it up because I only got up to maybe about where my cursor is here on mine. <laughs> and then Shock Trooper did the same thing. I didn't realize Shock Trooper only had 14 screens on the two uh, title screens here. So, <clears throat> But this is the one where you collect the shrinking spaceship pieces. Like you get decontaminated in this little thing and then this thing has a beam come and it shrinks it down. And then it looks like at the end here, after you get past these huge ships here, is that you actually get this saucer and, and flee out the top. I don't think I've ever actually done that. So big thanks to Erico for uh, putting those together. He's actually working on some other ones, too. So some of the other games for the Coco that have like, lots of screens, he's going to actually generate the maps and screenshots 
for them and then I'll make a kind of a big map. Rad Warriors is one that I had partially done uh, on my site. I did do I played a little bit better because of the keyboard controls, but I, I still can't get anywhere near what I used to as a as a youngster. Next up, we have uh, Jim Mullen. He's working on a Coco 3 arcade game. And it's going to be a Kung Fu fighter style game. He was mentioning it might be like, you know, Kung Guy or Kung Fu Dude. And he was mentioning some arcade games it's kind of based on. So it'll be a side scroller. And he's not doing it in machine language. He's actually doing it in basic, but he's using Jeff Steidel's Graph Express, which is a <clears throat> graphics and sound system that uh, Sundog sold. Now, I, I know uh, Paul Thayer tried using it for some of his game projects because he didn't want to do the full assembly things. That takes a lot longer to do. His problem was is that the graphics engine takes so much basic overhead that your basic program has to be fairly small. I think it's like 14K max or something like that rather than 24 to 28 or whatever is free normally. But it looks like he's going to try to get this. He's going to have it so you load levels. He's actually asking on Facebook, you know, what would be having to swap disks too often if you're running this on real hardware on a real floppy drive? Because he said basically you only fit you know, one or two levels worth of graphics and map data uh, per disk because of the you know, 35 track disk limit. <clears throat> and he didn't want to be people to get annoyed. I think if the game, if it plays long enough and, and you're getting a good, you know, five, 10 minutes out of each level and you can fit a couple levels of disk, I don't think that's a problem. Or if you have 512K, maybe preload them all. Just, you know, insert disk one, loads everything up, insert disk two, and just keep going, kind of like Contras does. That might be an option too. But anyway, I just want to show some side scrolling using the uh, Graphic Express routines. And you can see he's running in VCC here. And just running at one. Sorry, just need just need to decompress the uh, graphics and load them to upper memory. If you got a Coco three, you know, if you ask for yeah, a, and the game will require Coco three, so you definitely can do that. Yeah, so ask say <laughs> five twelve minimum, so it can load up the images, so you don't have to keep uh, swapping discs. Yeah, but what, is he loading the entire screen? Is he? I'm not sure if he's if he's doing some sort he of wants, a tile map thing or what he's doing. He wants 16 yeah, grams per image, so that's pretty big. Because uh, I mean, if you did a, a tile system, I mean, those bricks up there, you only need one tile that could be just repeated to do yeah, that entire area. There's there's 16. Yeah, just you need map, map instead. Yeah. Yep. Now I don't know if Graphic Express you know supports that. I guess that's the question. I haven't I yeah, fiddled with it a long time ago, but I haven't done it since. I know it has like overlay windows and four voice music that runs in the background and you know does some of the basic graphic routines a lot faster than basic does. Like drawing in fulfilled box and stuff is way faster under Graphic Express than under regular basic. But I don't know if it does a full tile map support. I haven't looked into it enough to to know. The big fix, since he mentioned emulators and uh, SGC, would be an alternate DOS that let you use a hard drive image, VHD instead. Yeah, but he wants it to be able to run it on somebody that has an actual stock Coco 3 with the original hardware, too. So you'd have, you'd have to make two versions then, if that was the case. Yeah, some other people suggest that, too. HDB DOS, RGB DOS uh, for the virtual thing on a real hard drive or the STC, yeah. where you can just tell it map this image into this drive slot. Floppy drives. There's always drive buttons. wire. <laughs> Yeah, and then you have serial ports you got to worry about and drive protocols and have your PC nearby to plug it into or drive wirelessly. Or So that like is said, a floppy drive, 30 milliseconds, typing rate, just a stock Coco. What do you do? I wouldn't I wouldn't run it at, at the stock. 
even some Tandy games didn't run stock. Sands of Egypt ran in 20 milliseconds. Okay, well, yeah, six. Okay. <clears throat> still floppies. Yeah. I assume yeah. he wants 35 track single sided from his spec. So that yeah, he wants that's what he wants to be able to run. I mean, honestly, only the very first tech drives from Tandy were only 35 track. Everything after that was 40. Even the full height ones were 40 after the original tech button pushed down to open your door rather than flip the door lid up. But their later ones uh, were all 40 track. And then the FT502 was 40 track double sided even. And of course, uh, this basic never supported any of that. Backward compatibility, lowest common denominator. No, but if depending yeah, but on how he's... fixed all that, and it was backwards compatible, and it worked fine on double sided forty tracks. So <laughs> that was Teddy being lazy. They never updated a DOS after one point one, which I mean for me is perfectly fine because they added the DOS command so you can boot OS nine. What the heck do you need all the rest of that crap for? What all that for? <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. No, nothing. I was just agreeing. What's all the other crap for? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, for scrolling a basically a 32k screen here, that's that's not too shabby. I mean, Nick, you know how much oomph it takes to move a screen that size around, and this is six eight oh nine, not six three nine. Yeah. Now I'm guessing in order to speed this up, that he'll eventually have you know an area set aside for score and experiment and stuff, so that he doesn't have the whole screen to scroll. So we'll have get a little mm-hmm. bit speed up. That's what Sundog always did with stuff like Warrior King and. Come guys, that they would have a, like a big banner of the title of the game and you know your lives and score on the bottom and stuff like that to reduce the amount of actual screen you have to move around to keep the game speed up, which I'm sure Jim will be discovering. But looks like a good start, <clears throat> and, and for Graphics Express, that's that's pretty decent. That's not too shabby. And of course, the author of Graphics Express, Jeff Steidel's guy who did Photon, so he knows what he's doing because that's probably still one of the premier, most impressive games with music and graphics definitely next up a game favorite of mine um dragon slayer uh this atomics game and the amigos covered it <clears throat> on their show and they'll be doing a live broadcast from coco fest so you'll be able to see them live and they're actually going to interact with the audience so you guys will shout things at them about the game and maybe walk up to the mic and give your, your review of the game they're covering that week themselves and uh it should be a fun time i was actually guested on their show last time at boat fest so that was a lot of fun but this way, the whole audience can join in. And uh, Ken, are you still there? Yes, I am. <clears throat> um, their show is actually going to be on right before ours. So I don't know if we want to like try to barge in there. <laughs> sure. We'll crash the crash the live stream. Yeah, yeah I'll just play. That's just for people who have never seen their show before. They, they have a thing at the beginning called Ridiculous Banter. I thought this one was kind of cute and funny. It's Dragon's Lair. No, no, I mean Dragon's Slayer. It's not, it's not Dragon. I'm sorry. It's the Coco Show. And of course, that was a take on the uh, Dragon's Lair, that, uh, the famous laser disc game, which could be done on the Coco 3 now, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, they did give a good review of it. And uh, if I remember correctly, Buck Owens actually has completed the game, all 10 levels of 16 screens each, which is 160 screens to get through and slayed the dragon, and he actually had it up on his Twitch channel, but unfortunately Twitch only saves videos for a certain amount of time, and they disappear, and he didn't think it was worthwhile saving the fact that he actually beat the game. So, I'll request right now, Buck, can you play it again and just record the whole thing and save it somewhere like YouTube? Has anybody here ever completed Dragon Slayer? I have not. Crickets? I'm assuming that means no. 
And this is following up on Stone Raider 2. This is the second Boulder Dash clone for the Dragon. So they had more versions of it, twice as many versions of uh, Boulder Dash than we did. This one's called Boulder Crash. <clears throat> and uh, I'll play a little bit here so you guys can see what it looks like. I have not personally ever played this one. I don't think I've ever seen it before, actually. <laughs> it's got built-in instructions. Let's go. You can change the level, change the timer. Oh, I forgot. Bruh. It's a bit more animated, too, like the sparkling diamonds and stuff. So to me, it looks a bit more vision impressive though you notice they compress the screen that same technique we were just talking about for the kung fu game is they've got you know a timer on the bottom and they got this whole right side that's your score and power and lives and stuff like that so the actual scrolling is a lot less (coughs) anyway um i'm sure sixy has seen this one uh i have not this was a new one on me so i'm even more further behind on my games page and that's it for the Game On News. So if you want to do a quick commercial break, I'm going to go get a glass of water. Okay. And then I'll come back and do the regular news. Number three. Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai. And I, like you... I'm a citizen of the Coco Nation. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. The music is back. has reigned throughout the realm. In the forest, nothing but ruins of an ancient fortress remain to fuel the myth of the evil wizard. Tales of your ancestors' quest are met with laughter. Mockery follows your warnings. But you know what awaits. Okay. 
Uh, quick mention uh, from the chat here. Paul Schumacher is answering some questions about his uh, Cocoa Ladder game. Um, he said, yes, he was planning on having it so it works in all the Cocos. He wanted to compliment Rick Eulen on noticing the fact that it does spin in opposite directions when you're running around. And I believe he said there's six levels. Let's go back to. Yeah, six levels. So there's some information right from the author himself. And now we will switch over to the regular news. So you guys are seeing that post? Yep. Okay, this is going into hardware, so this is beyond the realm of my experience. So you guys can correct me on everything I say wrong in the next little bit. So Don Barber posted on the Cocoa list about a You're map. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have that kind of time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> about a math coprocessor cartridge he has made using the AMD 9511 APU arithmetic or whatever you want to call it, processor unit. Supports things like 16 and 32-bit fixed point, 32-bit floating point arithmetic. It allows for faster operations of things like multiply, divide, sine, cosine, arc cosine, arc uh, tangent, tangent, ex exponent, square root, etc. And supporting functions, the chip supports parallelism, which means it can process uh, more at once and it also can be running in the background while the cocoa's off doing something else. You can send it something you want, solve mathematically, continue doing on film, other things that's not math related, and then get the result. Um, you can actually tell it, you can poll it to see when it's done, because you know the various commands, some of them take longer. Uh, but you can also set up to be interrupt driven. So you can actually tell it to send an interrupt to the Cocoa to say the math is done. And this was his original announcement on the Cocoa list. And then he's actually got the GitHub. You can actually get everything for it, including some sample source. And here's a kind of a thing of the board. Um, he was mentioning on some of the benchmarks that he was doing that some of the things are running. Uh, like he, he converted it to run with Cocoa 3 Basic. And he actually ran some fixed point or floating point uh, math routines. And he was getting like 10 times increases in speeds in some cases. And some specific instructions on it will run 30 times faster than trying to do it natively. And of course, this is running in the background. You not only do you get that 30 times speed increase, but you get to do you know other stuff while that's happening, <laughs> which means your your actual up speed will be more than that in certain cases. So if you want to do like a real, you know, real-time 3D game or something like that, this might be a really cool add-on cartridge to have. And I mean the fact that you already hooked up to basic, the fact it can be interrupt driven means you could just create a module in OS9. And then just call it from you know basic or C or assembly or whatever, and you know have it come back with the results ready for you to go. Um, now I've, I've from my reading some of the background, it sounds like this chip has been hooked up to other eight bit machines in the past as well. Has anybody here heard of this before or on other yes. machines? So what what details do you know, Mark? Since it's fairly new to the Coco. Okay, I have actually that I got in an Apple II, real Apple II, many years ago for my dad. It came with was called MuSpeed, and it has this same AMD 9511 on it. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the actual documentation on it or the software drivers because I patched AppleSoft Basic to do the same type of things that Don's doing here. But I did find another company that was called California Computer Systems that had a similar card that um, was set up the same way, and their test routine in their manual passed on the one I have. So I know basically a little bit about it. I know it's been around forever. It was designed to be interfaced to the 8080. That's why it's kind of funky <laughs> to work with the 6809 or even like the little Indian, big Indian stuff or. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah, I think it's actually big Indian. Uh, so I think it's probably more natural for the 6809 and the 6502, but, but anyway, so they've been around for a long, long time. Uh, I actually have a picture of mine, my card, um, 
it's a ceramic chip, I believe, with gold for the top um, um, of the one on the card I have. So I have one for the Apple. It, it's kind of cool. I just never figured out how to leverage it. So I'm looking forward because he's actually got some code here. And I'd like to see, uh, I've looked at his GitHub, look at the code he has for patching the Cocoa. Because then maybe we could do something for the Apple. Yeah. <clears throat> he's got the schematics available. He even tells you how to actually, you know, send the schematics up to a PCB manufacturer like PCB Way or somebody and actually have them make the boards for you. Um, he's got the basic patches listed here. He's got some sample code. Uh, here goes the What's that? PCAD, not Eagle. So us common plebeians can use these. Oh. <laughs> But uh, here he goes at a bat. Go ahead. As I say, a lot of shared files are in Eagle, which is four bucks. Nice, but so these are in KiCad, which is free. So I like free. Yeah, free's good. Sorry, he goes into some specifics here. Uh, Highlight this paragraph here: some hardening hardware floating point divide can take 184 clock cycles on the AM9511, but may take 13,000 on just using the CPU with a software. This is 6809, of course. 6809 actually has a few... Actually, no, it doesn't have any floating point, but it does have some you know 32-bit integer divides and stuff. Um, but he mentioned that that one specific thing is up to 70 times faster. And it's, uh, you can get a 4 megahertz version of that chip and actually use that as well. He's only using the 2 megahertz version on those speed tests, so you know, 140 times faster. Consid- you know, basically, it can happen. And here, a quick benchmark executing basic with his little patches into basic here. Now, basic still has to do all this interpreting and decoding of instructions, et cetera. So there's a lot of extra overhead. You're not just doing raw map. And he's doing a fairly complicated uh, calculation here with square root and arc tangents and tangents and multiplies, et cetera. Stock Google 3, 66.808 seconds. Double speed up hook took 32.86 seconds. Google 3 at regular speed with the basic patches took 5.95. And a Cocoa 3 at double speed took three and a half seconds. So it's roughly 10 times faster on that particular one, going through basic itself with all basics interpretation and variables and everything else that has nothing to do with the, the coprocessor. So he's mentioning here compiled code or code written in machine language to see even larger increases somewhere between 10 and 70 times performance, depending on the activity. And then he's got some dip switches on the board here for addressing it. Um, it takes four bytes of IO space. Um, gives you some sample code, and he's got a whole separate chunk here on patching basic and everything else, too. So the, a lot of the research work's been done for you. Basically, if you make this, you've got some sample code to even try filling with it. So if anybody wants to do, like a, like I said, a real-time 3D game with you know really accurate three-dimensional mapping, et cetera, here, this might be something for you or something that requires a lot of floating fixed-point map. Curtis, what do you call this thing behind me? Uh, window? No. <laughs> <clears throat> the uh, software program that generates those things. Oh, the fractal. Uh, yeah. It's a Mandelbrot. Would Mandelbrot. that work? Would that work with the yes, part? yes, and make yes. it go faster or bigger? Or yes, what? faster. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, that was my question. Yeah. Hey, anyway, it looks like a really cool project. Um, I don't really have time to fill with it myself here, but if any of you other guys want to fiddle with it, and especially hardware guys, and know how to build this stuff, uh, looks pretty good. Uh, nice thing is, too, is he actually has the optional interrupt. So you actually just add bit seven set to tell that the instruction you're sending, it's going to be interruptible or uh, generate an interrupt, I should say, or not. So it's not like you just turn the card on and you select interrupt mode or regular mode. If you have instructions that are really fast, only take a couple cycles, you don't have to bother having it set up to do the whole interrupt overhead. You can just say, you know, 
go to a 32-bit integer divide. It'll be done in six cycles. So I'm going to do two copies of memory locations in the meantime, and then just go right back and read it because you'll know it'll be ready without any error up to overhead. Or if you have something that's much longer, like some of these, you know, transcendental functions and stuff here that might take, you know, hundreds of cycles, even with this instead of tens of thousands, but just tell it, interrupt me when you're done. And then, then the results sitting there ready for you. So I like the, the versatility of being able to turn the interrupts on and off by instruction uh, as you're issuing them to the, to the board. Um, and they go to a lot of technical details way above my pay grade. So would that work with uh, ease of use? Yeah, I was, I was mentioning, oh, you just have to write a little driver and then just call it as a run, um, I don't know, math lib or something like that. And then just, you know, instead of using the standard basic nine ones or the standard C functions or whatever, you can just call it. Use these. the alternate ones. And just yeah. like everything yeah. else, strap your multi-pack so you can use interrupts. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, you'd the probably Mega actually Mini MPI, want... Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, you probably want to write your driver for the unit so that it would auto-detect it. And if it isn't there, then just redirect those math, uh, math functions to the built-in ones. So yeah, you or you could have program. a function to call a routine that checks, checks to make sure it's there and it just returns, no, it's not. And then your program just you know loads an alternate version that doesn't even keep trying. Because right. you'd have a bit of overhead if you're constantly checking to see if it's, like if you're just calling the library and it has no idea whether it's there or not. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of ways to, to use it. And there's a... You know, 10 to 70 times speed increases on doing some of this math stuff. That'd be pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. So this AM chip. Uh, AMD. Is it AMD? AMD 9511. Okay. And this I chip is really old, you said, right? Like 80s or Yeah, 90s? 80s, late late 70s. Uh, I posted a picture of my Apple card that was designed in 81. And the AMD chip is dated for, I think, 1982. Oh, wow. Uh, it's I didn't copyright 79. Yeah. I thought it was more like late 80s. Nope. Nope, nope. This was designed for the eighty eighty, is what uh, Don said in his research. So I've right, only right. found out a little. I've only found a little bit of stuff on it over the years, but you know, I've got so many other things to do. I haven't delved into it a lot. But hey, I have one for the Apple, and it'd be cool to leverage it. It looks like by this link he's got here too. It looks like it was designed to run on the eighty eighty, the sixty eight hundred, the Z eighty or Z eighty, et cetera, because it's actually mm -hmm. mentioned in their own manual how to interface mm -hmm. it. That's cool. I don't know. I never heard of this chip before. So they called. Is this called a coprocessor? Yeah, I would I would call it a coprocessor because it could actually yeah. run at the same time. Like Motorola had a uh, a fixed and floating point library, but all that was was ROM routines. It was basically just six eight nine code on ROM, so you didn't have to figure it out yourself. But it still ran as slow as the six eight nine would do it normally. You just you'd have to write the code yourself. Uh, this is right. actually a chip that's doing it in hardware much faster than the six. Think, think of this like the the eighty eighty six and the eighty eighty seven. You know, this is a yeah. on piece of hardware. Yeah, this is the floating point chip to go with. But they made it. I'm reading through the the CPU world blur, sort of blurb here, and they made it for all kinds of CPUs, but with all these variants, there must be fifty variants listed in here. So, and it's still popular. So cool. We can still buy these. We still buy these too, yeah. So wow, this was, that's rare these days with chips. This would speed up a game if you're programming with it in mind. If the game knows how to talk to this processor, yes. And uses floating point rather than fixed point or integer. Well, no, this would, supports the fixed point and integer too, doesn't it? Or I read. Well, it might. Would the Vectrex uh, really gain from this? Yeah, if, probably would. If, 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 if you rewrote the games or the ROM libraries to call these, yes, it would. But that one, I think all the, the current math that's done on the Vectrix is built in the ROM. So you'd have to modify the ROM to, yeah. to know about this thing and call it instead. 
And I think he the fine specs, 16 and 32-bit fixed, 32-bit float. All right, so fixed and floating point. And 32-bit max? The, the fixed to float, da, 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 and vice versa. Yeah, your thirty-two bit floating point with it doesn't say how much, how big they. Yeah, it looks like that's what's saying here. <clears throat> Sixteen thirty-bit fixed point, thirty-two bit floating point arithmetic, including add, sub, mole, div, sine, cos, bunch of other transcendentals, uh, power, square root, logarithms. Doesn't a PC do all that? Later ones do. Just now, right? Okay. Well, in the old okay. ones, like I said, you had the you had the the processor and the math chip. Yeah, so, like the so, 286 and the 287. Yeah, so, yeah. My question yeah. is, couldn't couldn't you drive wire all this stuff? <laughs> well, the idea well, is to do yeah. it on a cocoa, not to do it on a pie and call it a cocoa or something like that. Yeah. Because everybody's doing it on a pie. Actually, in that case, it probably runs slower because now you're limited to the speed of talking over the serial port to get your results and to send things up to the chip to do, whereas this would just be in hardware bang. Yeah, bus speed versus drive wire speed. Yeah. Because even a Cocoa 3 drive wire maxed out is 115 kilobits, which is how many K per second, because I can't do math with my cold. Just move the decimal place. 20K, 24K, 30K, somewhere around there per second. How about, 10 for bytes and... how about 11 and a half K? But these are all just numbers. It's always numbers, Ron. Well, it's not just doing the math. You got to get the number in and get the number out. Yeah. The thing is, if you're going through the bit banger, you have to send bit one of your byte to request this. And that's going to take multiple bytes to say what here's the value I want you to do your computations on. Here's the instruction I want you to do. You have to send those out one bit at a time. So it's going to take you nine bits, nine writes to the serial port to get the first byte out. And then you have to, you know, you have to send four bytes of actual numerical data for the value you're trying to do, possibly more than one. And then you have to send the instructions for the actual instruction itself. So you're going to be doing like dozens and dozens of writes to the BitBanger port just to set it up. Whereas on the hardware card, you just write each byte one at a time. So it's eight times faster. Okay, one other, one other question. Since we learned last week that uh, our computer is analog, so this is just adding another analog to it. Yeah. We'll put a really, really, really slower analog <laughs> to it. <clears throat> so we're looking at their timing, and yeah, there's 6 million nanoseconds difference, but if you try feeding that over a serial port, you lose all your advantage and then some. Yeah, you'd probably I, run slower. I, I don't know the, what the hell I just said, so. Uh, 15-minute 15, <laughs> 15 warning. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, I better start. Chill done. Do this done. Asparagus. No more questions. Okay, next up, uh, Pedro Pena has put up um, instructions for installing the pepper board in a Cocoa 2 or 3 to replace the salt chip, which is unobtainium. Um, so he gives complete instructions because he had some people qu asking questions about it and with detailed pictures and everything else, which is really, really cool. Um, he's also got them available on his web store now. So if you don't want to actually try to make them yourself, you can actually order them. So Pepperboard version 2 is $30. I don't know what the difference between version 1 and version 2 is. Does anybody know? <clears throat> I didn't even know there was two versions, to be honest. You can't ask these extra questions because it takes time away. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Next up. <laughs> didn't hit the button in time. 
Uh, Terror City Retro Programming is working on his Ultima game, and he actually did a little demo here of his intro screen. And he actually draws the the title in cursive, which in basic, that's well, even in assembly, that'd be a pain in the butt. So I'll just play a little it's mini clip somehow, of it. Can't we just see the animation up there? With the cocoa, it's being written in cursive, nice and slow like that. Okay, and then you I wouldn't want to take the time to plot all this. <laughs> and the sword down here and the spell book. Anyway, this is the start of the game. He's gonna I do one in basic. That's kind of an Ultima style game, so that'd be kind of cool. But I, I like the fact he takes the time to do all these little effects like that. Like I just don't have the patience. Next up, uh, Alan Huffman on Sabitha Software. Goes into a, another deep dive <clears throat> on how tokenized basic lines are stored, and also that the 249 slash 250 character limit that he talked about in the previous blog post is the maximum you can put in the size. That's more limited to the input commands, like input and line input. Basic itself doesn't have a limitation on the line size because basically the header for each line has the line number, you know, encapsulated in a two byte integer. And then an offset to the next instruction as a two-byte integer, which means you can access all 64K. And we covered last week that Carl England had released a uh, utility that you can actually crunch your basic programs drastically. If you had wrote a program that had no if-thens and no go-tos, no go-subs, you can literally make a line that's like 24K long. And it would process faster because now it doesn't have to go skipping over the line numbers and figuring out line numbers and all that crap too. So you can actually use it to optimize you know, some of your code down. But he goes into a deep dive explaining how that works and how the headers of each line works. And then he kind of proves that, yeah, you could have a basic line that's 24, 32K long. Uh, this is an update, I think. Grant, you covered probably most of this already here. Um, it was an update from Jim Brain himself, the president of Glenside, about uh, CocoaFest 31. Uh, mentioning, I think at this time there was still one table left, which is now gone. Um, he tells us about where you can go get the uh, shirts, which I saw some people were wearing. Uh, bit on the fact that the uh, the hotels will stop at uh, giving a discount, a pretty large discount as of March 31st. So if you're planning on attending, go get it now. <clears throat> and the deadline for securing a spot at the Saturday evening dinner buffet is April the 14th. That's still the right date, I hope, Grant. Is Grant still on the call? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, no bid auctions back this year with Jason from VCF Midwest. will be running the auction once again, or at least uh, being the MC. Um, have you guys got a fair number of donations? Yeah, actually, we've gotten quite a few. Uh, Bob, who passed away uh, last year, uh, will be getting a lot of his stuff to, to auction off, so time's to clear and that type of stuff. Okay, so this will be a good auction for even non-Coco people or people that have multiple machine interests exactly and i think there's there's been talk of uh, some of his ham radio equipment too might be uh, uh sold at the uh show as well so is it uh, i heard a rumor that brian's buying it all <laughs> Not the ham stuff. he's pre-ordered the whole lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he also mentioned some of the the presentations like the seminars and stuff here since we just got the schedule um, jam session. I do know uh, Fred Provence had mentioned in the chat he's bringing some instruments. Um, I didn't realize it, but uh, Frank Linares actually plays guitar too, so he's bringing his guitar. So, yep. So you guys will have a you room. might actually have you have room all to yourself, so you guys can sing and play as badly as you want without uh, interfering. Well, I think with it was some of these better caliber musicians. It might actually be bearable. <laughs> I better bring a good guitar this year. The, I'm gonna bring a cowbell. I don't have enough room for my double neck in the car. 
Now, this one I don't know as much about. Uh, this is a post on Facebook from Kathy Sita, which actually I think it's, is it her or her husband that actually does these posts? I can't remember. There's one couple that they only have the one account on Facebook, but there's another one where they actually do have separate. I can't remember which one this is. My apologies. Um, but there's this, this thing called the Assist 09. It's MS Basic. It's a little tiny square board with USB plug-in. I'm assuming for both power and probably communication stuff, but it's basically a uh, 639 or 639. They actually have versions of this with overclock 639s at five megahertz. Um, basic in a ROM and it has a 6850, so you can run it through a serial terminal or something like that. And I think it even has a PIA for doing some external communication stuff. And apparently it's a, there's a bunch of different versions of it you can get. Um, I don't know too much about the project because I'm not a hardware guy. I don't know if any of you guys have had a chance to look through this at all. I posted it on my uh, Brown's garage. Yeah, I took a look. It's a cool little project, but did I did I, I miss anything? <laughs> Nothing nope. I can really do with it. And then some people are actually talking about using these as badges. I think these are probably a bit more expensive than yeah. an average dead chip badge. So we'll have to see what the cost would be. That'd be kind of cool getting a whole computer as a badge. Uh, Antonio Caballero has been doing uh, throughout the week trying to get Max 10 running on emulators <clears throat> with the varying bouts of success and failure. And he finally comes out that MAME is the only one currently that will run it properly because uh, it has to emulate the high risk joystick interface. Um, and if I think I remember, Colorware had a custom one, but was that only for Coco Max or was that for Max 10 as well? I can't remember. But basically, the only place it fully runs properly is, is MAME, though uh, J who works on VCC, has mentioned he's got some internal patches that should fix it. Um, I don't think he's released them yet. I think he's still fixing some other things too, but it sounds like VCC should get the ability to do that, and I'm sure Kieran will delve into this too at some point. Uh, for those that don't know, Max 10 was desktop publishing software um, that was sold as a bundle called The Works with Cocomax 3. So you can do all the graphics in Cocomax 3 and actually import the graphics into your text document, which can have variable size fonts and all kinds of fancy stuff. It's actually really the only full desktop publishing of this caliber, we had multiple other ones uh, like Newspaper 09, Home Publisher, you know, mixed favorite uh, because of the sheer blinding speed. Okay. But uh, this this was the premier one. So I'm glad you actually found a solution that does work. And it sounds like there will be some updates coming to the other emulators so they should catch up. I do know that Max 10 and Coco Max 3 would both work with the custom emulator because I had a bundle that did that. So there might be weirdness there. Yeah. You mean the custom interface? Yeah, I had a bundle where both programs worked with the custom interface that came with uh, the graphics thing. So it was strange at one point, and so there may be differences in the code. So, yeah, this makes sense that VCC might be a tweak. You totally faded out the end there, Rick. I know what you said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nothing important. Okay. Um, I just before I get into this story here, I wanted to mention too. Uh, I made a note here in the notes for the show, but um, Nitro Nine EOU and Coco SDC's latest firmware not getting along. It turns out it actually there's there's two problems that are happening. Um, one, Rick, you helped kind of figure out its base because you've been having the same problem with the co- uh, with the uh, network stuff, where the 86 Gimme has some timing issues <laughs> with certain things, right. and basically the boot screen we have on EOU is a 40 column but a special mode where it doesn't have attribute bytes. It doesn't have underlying different colors because we said we might as well save the memory. We can just, you know, store text directly. If you have an 87 gimme with older dynamic RAM, it works fine. If you have uh, 
86 or 87 gimme, but with static RAM, like the modern upgrades, 512K, 2 meg, 8 meg, it works fine. On original 86 gimmies with the original dynamic RAM style hardware, like Tandy and performance peripherals and a bunch of other Hemphill electronics that did the upgrades, it doesn't. It will just randomly crash, not always in the same spot. So there's definitely a timing issue going on there. We did do some tests with some people in Discord. If we change that boot screen back to a 32 column, like the standard VGD one, it does work. It will boot up fine. So the 1.0.1 release of EOU when it comes out will have the 32 column one. Now, the whole reason we switched to 40 is we wanted to be able to keep what type of a boot you're booting on, like Nitrous 9, 6309 or 6809 or Gimme X or whatever. Uh, we wanted to keep that on the screen, even while it's writing all the modules that's verifying as it's loading in the boot. So what we're going to do is we're going to shift the text from the middle of the screen down to near the bottom so you can still have all the debugging information you need and still know what version you're booting. So that'll be fixed there. And then the second part is the firmware update um, has a problem in timing in general with EOU. And I haven't had heard if anybody's tried it with older versions of Nitrous 9. Um, but we haven't changed the L- Coco, L- uh, Coco SDC LL driver, low-level driver, much at all. So I'm suspecting it might not even work with 3.3, though somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that or if anybody's tried it yet. But uh, basically, for people that have uh, done the upgrade, if you update the Coco SDC DOS itself, that works fine. If you update the uh, firmware to 127, that's when it will no longer boot 6 or 9. It'll boot 6 or 9 just fine. So that seems to be a problem in the SDC firmware upgrade itself. Uh, but the other... Uh, unrelated problem, which I thought was related at first, is the uh, old 86 scheme with dynamic RAM. So if you're having that problem, there will be a patch coming out to fix that, so that's no longer an issue for you. So, okay, so... Are, wait a minute. So are you saying that um, you're going to have a patch for the um, not booting 6309? Uh, if, it's, if it's a dynamic RAM 86 gimme related boot problem, then yes. Uh, the other one, Bill Noble's actually contact. I gave him, got him in contact with Darren Axon because I mean, Bill understands hardware better if they need to talk about hardware, what's happening under the hood. And also, he's worked in the L, L Coco STC driver a lot more than I have, so he's more familiar with it. And he's actually not so longer so busy at work. So he's working out with Darren to see if they can figure out what's going on to fix the uh, the general problem where it just doesn't boot six or not at all after the firmware update. So, so and, that isn't fixed yet. Well, the fix is revert back to the previous version of the firmware. So that that, that'll be on uh, 1.01? Well, that's up to you because you have to update your own Coco SDC. I can't do that for you. You have to back back it to the previous version of the firmware. Oh. Well, <clears throat> okay. I, I, until if, if Bill, Bill and Darren can figure out what's wrong and they can fix the firmware, or we can fix the driver to adapt to the new firmware or something like that. Like I'm not sure what the ultimate solutions can be, but we'll figure out something. We just It's still being worked on. So I can't even give you a firm date. The other one, I know I just have to swap out the REL module and then that that issue with the older gimme and dynamic RAM will be fixed. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> okay, so here we got James Diffendaffer. He posted the video and source code for the animated running cat that he's previously made a Coco 1 and 2 version of. This is the Coco 3 version of it. I'm going to skip ahead since we're running on time. So he does a little drawing of the cats. And then you get to see it run across the screen animated. And the actual post here, you can actually cut and paste the actual source code if you click the more button to get it all. So you can actually just uh, throw it into an emulator real quick and try it yourself. Uh, this was an interesting 
discussion that started on the Motorola 6847 page, which of course is the video display generator chip we have in the Cocoa and has actually been out in multiple machines, Acorn Atom and a bunch of others, uh, even before the Cocoa was released. And it's about using that RGB our circuit for the RGB here to actually change the colors on the fly, kind of like the Cocoa VGA does. And this is a mock-up version of taking Puyan and basically just replacing two colors, replacing magenta with black and the cyan with green. And it already looks a lot better. Honestly, Puyan is a bad example to pick because they did just pick the other colors that it would look fine anyway. But uh, that's not what they did. So that sounds pretty interesting. It's kind of a, an, an alternative way of getting all their colors. And they're actually talking about having settable palettes and stuff, kind of like the Coco VGA has itself. But this is a simpler circuit from what I understand. Um me not being a hardware guy, I might be blowing smoke, but hopefully I understood that correctly. But it's been cross-posted in all the other Cocoa-related groups on Facebook as well. So this is a hardware thing, not yeah. a software thing. Yeah, okay. hardware. <laughs> in the Motorola 6809 group, a uh, person calling themselves Jacob Da Scientist, who's from the Netherlands, has got a first batch of boards in. Um, for new PCBs that he's working on, it's a Uniflex comp- capable six or nine system that was originally designed by Keys Schoenicker. And uh, Uniflex, if I remember correctly, that's a version of Flex that actually is multitasking, multi user. I think it's kind of like uh, the OS9 version of Flex or something. And there's some talk there that uh, with some special drivers, you probably get OS9 running on this too. Um, and I think this one he's actually had overclocked to four or five megahertz on the six or nine too. So that'd be a pretty awesome system that's the whole computer that little board so nice and compact uh simon jonathan he uploaded a demo of a wave program that he gotten from somebody on the coco side he's got it running on the mc10 now um so he's uploaded the actual cassette file you can download if you have an mc10 and actually load it in with the uh stc32 or rom and uh, you can get that off the facebook mc10 group and then he's got the actual video demo here itself so i'll just play a couple seconds of it see what it does it's one of those you know animated graphic demos looks pretty cool gives you a kind of a 3d effect i did some testing for him on that yeah well the thing is like in europe the, the demo scene's huge um and we never really got into it as much I, I mean, we've got some musicians and stuff that use a lot of like the Nintendo sound chips and stuff, but I, the demo scene never really took off that much. And the Coco, even less so. I mean, less than, you know, other American based computers. But for some reason, we just never really got too much into the demo scene. Sockmaster, Alan DeCock, and a few others have done, you know, some demos, some pretty damn impressive ones. But usually we actually wrote code to do, you know, actual work or games or whatever. So I don't know why that difference exists, but it does. On to some Dragon news. First one, Mike Miller. He's the person who programmed the All Dream Assembler package for the Dragon, which is, you know, I've heard multiple people tell you it as being the, the best assembler for the Dragon, bar none. And he actually came in and posted his entire history. He was working with the 6809 even before the Coco and the Dragon came out. Um, and then he's going through his history there, how he started doing stuff for Ham. He did a lot of 6.9 programming for Ham stuff, um, for the Dragon specifically. And he was selling that stuff up into the mid-90s, which I had no idea. So he kind of goes through it all, and there's a picture of the box they sold it in, um, an Acorn 6.09 upgrade board, et cetera. So if you want a bit of a history on that assembler package and a history of the developer behind it, it's quite a fascinating read. I'd love to get him on in one of our next Dragon specials. Next up, uh, Mark, you might be able to help me a bit more with this one, too. Tony Vincent posted this up, and this is called the Teledon Graphics System. This is an Apple II card to do graphics for graphics terminals, not raw graphics to a screen, but graphics terminals. 
And it's kind of a coprocessor board, like we were talking about earlier, but it's actually driven by 6809 with 16K of ROM. And uh, yeah, I've never never seen one of these before, and I have collected and seen a lot of various weird Apple II hardware. So it is cool okay. looking, though. Because it sounds like it's got a fair number of fairly advanced features. I don't know exactly what graphic terminals it specifically is is compatible with. Um, you mentioned Teladon Video Text Terminal, but uh, I don't know if that's the name of it. That's that's the name of the board too. So I'm not sure exactly what that does, but. Sounds like it's got some pretty good uh, selection stuff, like arcs and circles and polygons and fills, like blood filling, uh, 15 color palette, eight size yeah. and four rotations of text and all kinds of stuff. Now, obviously, if it's just serial, then it's either pre-crunching the data, rendering data or whatever, and then sending it to the serial link to the terminal, kind of like an advanced, you know, not just a character mapped, but graphic mapped. So yeah, um, Tektronix Tektronix yeah. made graphics terminals way back in the seventies. They were expensive. I mean, yeah. Where's that one online? Uh, we had the people that Arata. are doing the. Yeah, Irata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's another yeah. one. That was that was one that wasn't seemed to be well well known. But man, hey, they they really were on it too. Even in the seventies, their Arata four or uh, sorry, a, a Plato Plato four system. I mean, they respect RGB color with twenty four bits. Uh, even though they had no hardware that would support that. That's what they was all specced for. Well, so. a lot of the comments seem to think that this is a graphics card for the Apple, and it's not. It's a graphics terminal that runs on an Apple. Yeah. Which is a quite different beast. Yeah, I agree. It's, a couple comments in the chat. I just want to quickly cover because I know we're running a short on time. Um, uh, Mikey says that Uniflex is a strange mashup of Flex and Unix. And he also says, and yes, it does run on gimmicks, SWTPC, that's selfless technical products, um, machine 6 and 9 with MU. Uh, James Jones says, Teladon turned into NAP LPS. It's resolution independent, which is kind of cool. And there's some talk about the coprocessors for MAP, but that's all Intel stuff, so I don't care. Although I will mention that uh, the founder of Intel just passed away at age 90, what was he, 91, 94? 94. Yeah, Moore, the guy behind Moore's Law. Uh, John Whitworth, uh, Dragon Plus Electronics, posted an update. He's got his new batch of Dragon RGB boards. He's just finished programming the CPLDs for it. And he's just finishing those up. And, of course, he's a person that was away for quite a while getting cancer treatments. And uh, things seem to have gone really well. So he's kind of back up and getting hardware back out again. So congratulations, John. Ah, Chris Poacher and his uh, semi-private micro-deal, the 8-Bit Years pay Facebook page, found some old uh, ads. Uh, the ad I've seen before, it's the first full-color ad micro-deal ever did for the Dragon. And this would have been not long after the Dragon was announced. So I'll zoom that up so you can kind of see what that looks like. Um, these are all almost all American imports because uh, the Dragon got to hit the ground running with some software of decent quality right up the start because they just took stuff from uh, Computerware, Spectral Associates, Mark Data Products, etc., and just relabeled it. Because they're already done. So Flipper, I think, was from Color Software Services. Escape is Ken Kalish's game, also from Color Software Services. Space Monopoly, I think, is actually Star Traders from Spectral. Mansion Adventure, I think, was an original on the Dragon. And Alcatraz 2 is, of course, a Mike Huey game that Spectral sold, written in basic as well. But basically, that was the first stuff coming out. And these ads were in, like, you know, 82. So this is the very beginning of the Dragon. Um, but he also found this. Uh, Microdeal Dragon 32. This is a catalog and order list for retailers, basically. And it goes through all the different games that they have available. Uh, mentions whether they have sound, whether they need joysticks, that a brief description of the game. 
and there's a fair number. You'll recognize a lot of these titles: Space War, of course. Yep, your your favorite version yeah. of uh, Missile Command from Spectral Plan Invasion, which is Defender from Spectral Scarf Man, which is Cornsoft Group's 4K version of Pac Man. Surprisingly enough, uh, since the Dragon came with 32K, they could have picked better ones. Um, some of the adventure games, etc. Program packs, which uh, from what it, uh, Mike or uh, Chris Bocher was saying, most of these are like T and D software cassettes. They just took the best of six issues or something and bundled them together as little program packs and cassette. They had small and large joysticks available for the Dragon, which I didn't know. I didn't know they had two different sizes. Light pens. Um, another one of the program pack compilations. And then the actual price list for all that stuff. Uh, and this this price list would have came out probably September, August of 82, right when the Dragon was getting announced. Like This was launch titles, not from Dragon itself. So that's a bit of history there too. So that's cool. Ars Technica, one of my favorite technical sites, so I don't get to read as much as I used to, did a little special they just released here yesterday, actually, uh, called EGAD, Seven Key British PCs in the 1980s Americans Might Have Missed. And they got the usual suspects like the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, uh, the ZX81 they mentioned there, BBC Micro, uh, Spectrum 48K, and the Dragon. They actually put the Dragon 32 in there and mentioned the Dragon 64 as well. And they mentioned the fact it was mostly compatible with the Coco and stuff too. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to see the Dragon mentioned as you know one of the top seven machines that people in the states should have known about back in the day. And that's it for the news. Did I make it in time, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Okay. I'd be okay. We just don't dwaddle. Uh, well, my voice is starting to give out anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it's uh, no outro. Waddle. I thought that was our next segment. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yep. Let's go ahead and do the outro. Gotta have that. This concludes another episode of the Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things the Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. Oh, no, they broke it. Uh-huh. So uh, we're being accused of being slackers. Bye. Only having a two and a half hour show. We'll make up for it next week because we got an interview. Sorry. There you go, six. We'll make it up Alrighty. in volume. <laughs> yeah. or at least bulk yes. in bulk okay uh, say goodbye outro time goodbye everybody bye everyone 31st annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest April 22nd and 23rd 2023 go to tandylist.com or blendsideccc.com Register today.
miss it. JDList.com GlensideCCC.com Register today. April 22nd and 23rd. April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. BlendsideCCC.com